the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Brian, not Troy McClure. That's right. You might remember Brian from such uh, podcasts as <laughs> Throwback Trivia Takedown and uh, what's the other one? You've definitely been on um, Trivial Warfare. Uh, and what other podcasts have you been on, Brian? Uh, that would be it. That'll be it. Well, those are two of the best, especially Throwback Trivia Takedown. Trivia Warfare is meh, um, but I'm just kidding. I <laughs> love those guys. We've had we've had a couple of them, uh, and we've also got uh, Ben coming on for an upcoming episode, right, John? Oh, yeah. That one's going to be fun. Yes, it is. I don't want to reveal too much, yep. because it's going to be plenty revealing uh, <laughs> when, when we get to it. But All right, Brian, you are a patron, and so because you are a patron, you have got the right to choose an entire episode for yourself. Every year, we will give you an episode that is dedicated to Mr. McClure. And uh, today, you've decided that we are going to be breaking down the 1980 film Midnight Madness. We are also going to review the show Wings and do a recasting of the show Wings. So I'm going to talk, We want, I want to talk about... Um, a little bit of each of those shows once we get into those sections. But for now, I just want to know a little bit more about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do, um, long walks on the beach, all that good stuff. My name is Brian McClure. I work for a uh, large medical company, work on chemistry analyzers and hospital laboratories, travel from hospital to hospital fixing those, trying to keep everybody safe. Big movie collector, big movie buff. Yeah. Movies have been have, a uh, large part of my life going back to is. a child. Um you shared you shared your list with me, and it is um, intimidating. I'm a, I, I enjoy collecting things as well, uh, which actually I'll talk about in a little bit. But I've got like a 500 movie collection. Maybe maybe it's six or seven. I don't know. I don't. I lost count. But you, you're just like, whoo! I love it. You're like well over twice that. Yeah, I'm I'm around sixteen, seventeen hundred of DVDs, and then I've still got probably about 350 VHS that I'm working on getting moved over to DVD as well. Slowly, it's it, there was a lot more than that. Wow. That's what I'm down to. Yeah, it's a uh, not a big fan of the the like owning digitally. I like having physical hard copies in my hand. Just you never know what's going to happen to streaming rights and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. John and I are both big proponents of that, and I think we've we've mentioned it before. But you're right. Like streaming rights, things change. Like stuff goes off Netflix like so quickly. It feels like. But on top of that, you know, uh, and this is something that our buddy Corey has complained about. Sometimes TV shows or movies are getting changed and updated over this time. Like uh, I know one of his, his references that he complains about is um, Disney Plus digitally added extra hair to Daryl Hannah. So you can't see her butt on the Disney Plus version of Splash. And it's like that really? sounds like something Corey would complain about. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. So he he wants that Hannah butt, um, and, and we all do. But also at the same time, you never fucking know when Disney or George Lucas is going to change Star Wars again, and then we'll never be able to get it. So get the hard copy, and you have it. And also, internet isn't always around. Sometimes you have, you're in a move, or it goes down, or other stuff. So it's like I like being able to take a DVD, pop it in, and I can watch it anytime I want. Well, mm -hmm. not only that, but if you buy even the digital rights, say like on Amazon. There's nothing to say that if, I mean, it'd be hard to imagine Amazon going under or something happens. You, they only own like the, the 
hosting of it. So it can go away, even though you own it, it can completely <laughs> disappear out of your collection. It's just like, no thanks. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to um I used to work for an arts and craft company called Craftsy. Actually, that's uh where I met the uh, Dynamic Duel guys that we're uh, good friends with. They're good good podcast and buddy buddies of ours. And we had we have an uh Joseph on a uh, upcoming episode that well actually the episode that just came out before this. Uh, but anyway, they their motto that they used to tell people was you get lifetime access. You can buy uh the the classes and keep them forever. And in my head I was like no, you don't get lifetime access. You get access as long as the company is still around. Right, lifetime. <laughs> get, yes. guess the company, the company's not around anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, they I, are correct. It's the company's lifetime, not your <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> well, they don't, they don't say it that way, though. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like I would like to get to the point as as a pipe dream of being like the Gutenberg of of movies, the Gutenberg yeah. collection that collects all the printed works. I, I just okay. oh oh yeah. I, dude when you say Gutenberg on this podcast Steve. you go to you go to police academy my man <laughs> yeah they're, well they're in they're on the shelf too but you're right <laughs> okay all right well thank you for telling us a little bit about you as a fun little tangent that we went on um, but I want my mind to be brought back to 1980 a year we did somewhat recently mm-hmm. um, I think it's only the third or fourth time we've done it but it is a fantastic year for this podcast because it is the year that our man John was born my big bro my brother from the same mother uh, <laughs> tell us <laughs> a little bit about that year and get us into it all right so the film was released on February 8th of 1980, a good bit before I was born, since I was born at the end of the year. Uh, the Billboard Top 100 single of that week is by an artist Adam loves, but I don't believe this is a song he particularly loves, and that's Rock With You by Michael Jackson. I mean, the thing is, Rock With You, is I like it better than a lot of other songs, period. Mm -hmm. But when you put it against the gamut that is MJ's collection, it falls, you know, it falls flatter than, um, for me, than a lot of other ones do. Yes. Topping the Nielsen ratings for that week uh, is a primetime soap opera called Dallas. Oh, who shot Jr. Yes, and I did look it up. I wanted to see. It was not the episode, but it was the end of that particular season that they had the who shot Jr. Uh, uh, little little bit. Nice, very cool. The New York Times bestseller for that week was a book called Smiley's People by a man named John Le Carre. Uh and Smiley's People was the third installment in the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy series. He just recently passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. I only know the movie. I've actually never seen the movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's got Gary Oldman, so I assume it's pretty good. Yes. Yep. Uh, not a lot happened at the beginning of 1980 in video games, um, but around May, so I kind of had to skip forward a little bit, around May, something big did kind of happen. It's all the release of Pac-Man. Ah, uh, huge. Still going Classic. today. Kids, yep. Little kids still know Pac-Man today. Um, I'm sure that's going to be one of those video game things that just never goes away. And Adam... In 1980, you could buy your first one gigabyte hard drive. You want, you want to take a guess at how much it would cost you? <laughs> um, I mean, one gig was massive for those days. I'm going to guess 20 grand. 
Double that. Wow, forty grand. Forty thousand dollars and it weighed over five hundred pounds. That's about to say. <laughs> How big wow. And and I can carry around, you know, a terabyte in my pocket with no problem. Well, several terabytes anyway, but <laughs> Is that a terabyte in your pocket, John, or are you just happy to see oh. me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was nineteen eighty. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, one thing I mentioned a little bit about collections. I know Brian's got a collection, but my collection is now a little bit more complete because this episode I am saying is also further sponsored by Brian McClure because you made a trip up to Kentucky not too long ago, and uh, I've made it no... Uh, it's, it's been obvious that I started enjoying whiskey and bourbons and whatnot, just um, whiskey in general, different types, and you were extremely kind enough to... Um, chat with me and send me a couple different bourbons and so i want to sponsor this this episode is is in dedication obviously to you further but i am going to try both of the bourbons that you got me while we're doing this yes it's before noon that we're recording this um it's fine (laughs) i don't give a fuck it's a weekend weekend. (laughs) and i'm just i'm not gonna get sloshed by the end but i'm at least going to give them a shot so all right our first one is is called flatboat single barrel and Flatboat's kind of actually, I've noticed, has been spreading across to Georgia, but not, I've never seen this single barrel. Say, say that name again? Flatboat. Oh, Flatboat Single Barrel. Yes, Single Barrel. I, I misheard you. Okay. And from you said my flat- understanding that the single barrel, from my understanding, is Kentucky only. Oh, wow, that's even cooler. Then that's why I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, that they're not distributing that outside the state. Okay. Except for bootleggers, I guess. Yeah, yeah, people like you that's, that get it get it for guys like me. Smoking the Bandit Part 4. So, yes, it is a Kentucky Straight Single Barrel Bourbon Whiskey, 50% alcohol, so 100 proof, um, distilled and bottled in Kentucky. Every bottle of Flatboat Single Barrel Bourbon Whiskey is drawn from its own one-of-a-kind aging barrel. That's what all whiskeys are pulled from. <laughs> uh, selected from the best casts in our rack house, which, okay, fair enough. Each individual aged barrel imparts unique qualities waiting to be discovered in each bottle. Okay. I want to get this pop because that's always good. America. <laughs> cool. You know, well, if you keep bourbon, drinking so. on this uh if you keep drinking on this podcast, we're going to have to change the name to Blasted from our past. <laughs> I like it. Woo. This is a really cool bottle though. It actually is very similar it, to like the Rock It Hills is a very bottle. neat looking bottle, I admit that. It's kind of short, stumpy but square. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like anything like the other flatboat bottles that I've seen, and it's you know I guess and they're picking it out specifically for its um, flavor profile. I'm excited to, to try. I'm, I'm spinning my whiskey, and I'm sorry you guys are gonna have to deal with this twice because <laughs> I want to give Brian the props that he deserves for sending this to me. And I, I and I drink. I guess I'm so pretentious now with my whiskey. Is that right, John? Uh, you have your moments. I mean, you, you, I have you don't moments. stick out your pinky yet, so. No, but I do drink with a Glencairn as opposed to like a tumbler glass so I can get a nose on it. Okay. I get some like citrus. I like that. Because you said you what, you got around 50 some whiskeys or bourbons? It's probably more like 65, I think, right now. Okay. Um, it's a hell of yeah. a bar. More, mostly all whiskey, all, mostly bourbon, but I actually have a good bit of scotch and some Irish and one Japanese bottle and two Canadians. But I don't like the other stuff, but all right. But bourbon, I've really realized bourbon is kind of the route that I've liked the best. Bourbon and peated scotch. Regular scotch, I haven't, I've, it's, it's, it's a little bit light. It's a little bit 
boring for me, honestly, is what it sounds, because bourbon gives you a punch in the face with flavor. Like, that's what's kind of fun about it. I mean, also, it's cheaper here. There's a lot of more varieties here because we're in America. We're not, you know, over in the UK. Um, but it is known for big, bold flavors. And I kind of tend to like that. Maybe that's why I like the peated scotches, too, because it's big, bold, in-your-face flavors. I like... I like the thing. I like things in my face a lot. My best friend is a big Woodford person. She 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 will oh, down yeah. a bottle of Woodford easily. <laughs> yeah, Woodford's very easy to drink. All right. Okay. Smells young. It smells good. Get some vanilla. There what do you go. mean it smells young? Okay, so so smell. That's a good question. <laughs> it smells young, as in there's some like minor metallic uh, notes to it where. If you get something that's aged, I'd say for a little bit longer or a good bit longer, you get much more oaky smells or even more rounded smells. These ones, they, the younger ones, have like a a sharper nose to them. Like they just they hit you with a little bit more alcohol scent. This even. should just be a separate podcast on its own. Adam. Uh, we should. I'm going to be. Should, you should I, just start your your. It's not going to happen. I can, I already have three podcasts. I cannot do a fourth. I'm, that's why I'm just rolling it into <laughs> ours, John. And you're going to deal with it. All right, I'm going to take my sip. Ooh. That is good. That is good. Uh, hint of licorice flavor. Some of that bitterness at the end that I don't love, but usually a lot of this, that kind of stuff goes away if you let it sit for a little bit. But overall, caramel forward on the front, vanilla on the front. Yeah, and it's lingering decently. I like this bottle. Very good. Nice. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to have to add it. I, I do my little tasting notes and put it into like my app you know the craft beer people have their untapped app i use my um whiskey app that i or whiskey suggest and i'll i'll rate it and i'll do it on there so i have to say it, is, it, yeah. it is pretty amazing watching the pretentious unfold in front of me it's <laughs> it, it, it 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 puts a lot of wine snobs to shame it really does uh, i also have like 35 bottles of wine too don't don't worry i like i like wine quite a bit oh yeah let's talk uh, midnight menace <laughs> All right, Midnight Madness from 1980. This film was written, directed, and produced by Michael Nankin and David Wechter. Uh, David Wechter wrote the story for Faculty, and that was really all else I could see that was kind of worth bringing up from the two of them. The music was done by Julius Wechter, who I can only assume is the father of David. And you might not recognize the name, but I guarantee you, you recognize his most famous piece because he wrote the song called Spanish Flea that y'all might know better as the theme from the dating game. You probably got some royalties from that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was looking it up and I saw like, he had a bunch of different credits of blah, blah for Spanish Flea. Spanish Flea was in like tons of different like big movies. I was like, what the hell is this? And so then I listened to it. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. The dating <laughs> game. So. All right. The cast for Midnight Madness. Adam is played by David Naughton, who everybody should recognize from American Werewolf in London. Laura is played by Deborah Klinger, who she was in some shows. She played like this character called super chick or whatever and in a lot of like abc like morning shows or whatever she was in the croft super show um but she was kind of like this late cute 70s uh young actress kind of girl that i think you would kind of see around on like tv specials and stuff Mm. um scott 
was the younger brother of Adam, is played by Michael J. Fox, one of his earliest roles. I think his earliest role, wasn't it? Uh, he had he had like a TV movie and like a he did like one credit on a TV show before. But this. yeah, it was but his, this was like his it first was his first movie because even in the yeah. credits, if you pay attention, he's listed as Michael Fox. Michael, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely his first theatrical. So yep, that's awesome, and you can tell from his acting. Uh, <laughs> early on it. That's not going to be the first time I say things like that. Uh, Harold is played by Stephen First. Um, he is uh, the kind of main antagonist of the this one for the he's the main guy of the blue team he's played by yeah, i said steven first john we talked about him when we talked babylon 5 absolutely we did he's one of my favorite characters on that show yep yeah uh he was also on saint elsewhere and a lot of people might recognize him as flounder in animal house mm-hmm. uh wesley is played by eddie Deason, and we talked about him when we talked rockadoodle uh he played kind of like the um, the bird in rockadoodle that not the non yeah, he's turned into a big voiceover guy, hasn't he? Yeah, he has tons of voice work. He's got a great voice for voice work. Yeah. Like, kind of like doing that, that kind of he's very unique. That nasal pick him out sound, of the crowd. really yes. high pitched nasals. Yeah, he had another big movie yep. right around that same time too, maybe a year or two later, maybe eighty three. He did. What was the? What was his big eighty three movie? War Games. He wasn't the oh, star, yeah, yeah. but he was in War Games. Bigger. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, and a lot of people might recognize him from Greece as well. He he kind of played the the nerd in Greece. Uh, and then Donna is played by Maggie Roswell, who her face may not be all that recognizable for some people, but I can guarantee her voice becomes incredibly familiar because she does the voice of Helen Lovejoy, Maud Flanders, Millhouse's mom, like tons. If there's like a female character in The Simpsons, she has probably done it. Oh, wow. Uh, and then the last person I want to bring up is Melio, who's kind of a sidekick of Harold. Um, that's actually played by Andy Tennant. Or Tenet, yeah. Um, he turned into a, well, yeah, I'll say decent director. Uh, dur- <laughs> like a rom-com director. He did some uh, movies like Fool's Rush In, Ever After, uh, Fool's Gold. And then I think his best credit was Hitch. He directed Hitch. Oh, yeah, good movie. Yeah, that is a very good movie. So we're going to come to this question, Brian. Why the hell are we talking Midnight Madness? <laughs> so this is a movie early as a kid that I watched. It was on probably HBO wherever I saw it on TV, young. And this was like one of the first movies, like I mentioned with War Games, where as a kid, I started to understand character actors because of Eddie Deason. Of, hey, here's this guy who's always playing a nerd. And it was, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just stuck with me. And it's one of those movies where, so I probably own a good 60, 70 movies, even going back to VHS, that I have never watched. I'll buy a movie. Hey, this looks good. It goes on my shelf. And then I just forget to watch it. But then there'll be times when I'm like, man, I have nothing to watch. I need to watch something. And when I have nothing to watch, I this is one that I always come back to. For me, it just has a lot of rewatchability, especially from a nostalgia standpoint as from a kid. And we'll we'll get your two-year-old's opinion later since you all have not never even heard of it, see what your first impressions were later in life. Um, but yeah, just as a kid, it's one that comes back to me of the simplistic state of a movie that I can watch it. It's on in the background and it just, it flows. Um, John, what is your knowledge or nostalgic value for midnight madness? Um, if, if you could have negative nostalgic value, <laughs> this movie would have it. I had never heard of it, had no inclination that it had ever been created or conceived of until it was put on the schedule. And I believe I actually asked you, what the hell is Midnight Madness? <laughs> yes, 
you did. Yes, uh, you did. Uh, and I'm the same way. I'd never heard of Midnight Madness uh, when Brian brought it up. Uh, I was like, huh? huh? Uh, what? Um, but yeah, you said it's one of Michael J. Fox's earliest ones. So I was like, yeah, let's uh, let's check it out. We've done episodes where John and I have not seen this stuff before. Mm-hmm. So we're very curious about it. But so you've got a strong nostalgia in there. So let's uh, find out more about it as we do our breakdown. And I want to start off with, whoa, that title card. <laughs> you all see that that jump cut from day to, to night with the Midnight Madness title card? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> And I don't know, if, before we jump too far into it, of the production company of this movie. Because it didn't get released as a production company, the like title, until the 2000s. But this was a Disney movie. Really? This was Disney's second PG movie after The Black Hole. But Disney never had a name for it because in 1980, they were, they were known for kids' movies. And they didn't think that teenagers or adults would watch it because it was a Disney movie. So their name didn't even get attached to it until the 2000s for DVD releases. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember seeing Disney really marketed onto it. Right. But there is a nice Disney Easter egg um, early on in the movie that we'll get to. Oh, yeah. 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 But I did. I I did find out that it was a Disney movie and that was only because and I'll kind of say this now. uh, My son wandered in about two thirds of the way through the movie and kind of watched the last half of it for me or not for me, but with me, <laughs> with Thanks, me, John, took your me. notes. John, the spelling on your notes went really bad. After <laughs> a certain spot. Hey, my son's a really good speller actually. Okay. But at the end, I was kind of like looking away cause it was all done. And I hear him go, wow, this was a Disney movie. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, it just said Disney on there. And I'm like, Oh God, why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh oh! Is that a little bit of foreshadow of things to come? John? Well, Disney suffered a lot through the late seventies and eighties. They, mm-hmm. as a movie yeah. company, they did not do much of anything. Very true. Uh, all right. So after our title card, we then get two girls who are definitely not wearing bras, uh, <laughs> skating in front of like this college or the school other area, um, while this song uh, called "Midnight Madness" plays. Was I the only one who thought that this sequence took way too long? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> like they're just skating around. So they're they're dropping off these invitations to different people. We get a football guy who's drinking Gatorade and then he pours the Gatorade on his head. I'm like, that's not what you do with Gatorade <laughs> because it'll get sticky, like if it was water. Uh, but I mean, this is a farcical comedy for sure. And uh, yeah, but they they skate along, dropping off different invitations. Like I said, all like the different um, captains who we kind of mentioned uh, pretty much um, in our casting portion. And uh, Adam does eventually get one. So all of those captains meet up. And apparently, what's going on is this like it's a big game. This guy named Leon, who looked that guy, he looked like <laughs> like he belonged in his mother's basement. <laughs> he uh, belongs in the seventies. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was very unkempt, um, but he had these two hot girls with him. Which I didn't understand. No, like, what did he bring to the table? Like, I didn't get it, but I don't know. Uh, but so it's, a, it's basically, it's a whole race. I think he was geeky hmm. enough that, that it made at least believable that somebody, that nerdy geeky is going to come up with a scavenger hunt game. 
Oh, I, I didn't oh. doubt that part. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, was just why is he with those two girls? It was the two girls. Yes. 70s. Yeah. The, they just hung on to him. Yeah. Honestly, this you said it was their second PG-13 movie. Second PG. This felt like PG, PG movie. Yes. Because PG-13 wasn't a thing yet. Um, this felt like they was setting himself up to be an R-rated comedy yeah. like a... Yeah, like like an animal house, like a Revenge of the Nerds, like a, like in that vein. And so I was expecting to kind of get that vibe from this film, and it's basically was there, but it was just like toned down to be PG instead. You know, it's funny you say that because um, also at some point when I was watching it, um, my wife walked in just to tell me something. She goes, "What are you watching?" And I said, "I said Midnight Madness." She goes, "What's it about?" I was like, "It's basically a teen sex comedy, but without the sex." Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I, I could say, I mean, we can get into it later too, but this is one I could definitely see being remade today for like a, yeah. a softer, even a hard R. Yeah, yeah. I say like a hard R. Give it like the, you know, like the American Pie kind of treatment, right? Yeah, uh, or those other kind of ones. But uh, so yeah, so the premise of what they're, what they're now getting into is we're finding out it's a, it's a race. They have clues that they have to follow. It's basically just like the Amazing Race show. Or what immediately came to my mind was, wow, this is a ripoff of Cannibal Run. But <laughs> Cannibal Run came out a year later. Ah. So and Cannonball Run didn't really have clues. That was just coast to coast. No, that was just a race across the yeah. country. You're right, but there, there's the, the elements were there to me. Those the team captains all laugh and leave, and they're like, "Fuck this! We're not gonna. We're not interested in this." But Leon is certain that they're gonna change their mind because he's just done so much research. We just have to trust that this Leon guy um, knows some stuff. He's um, talk about bad actors, <laughs> dude. I looked up his credits, and he had about like four credits total, and. That's it. This guy, he did not deserve to be in any of it. He he got hired on his look alone, but his acting. And I think was, I did um, read that he actually rough. got hired because of the look. Like they saw him, like they yeah. found saw a picture or something of him, and the director wanted that look. He yeah yeah. I mean uh, I mean he looks like it. he looks he looks like Harold Ramis did in Stripes. And at that point, just get Harold Ramis. Yeah, uh, that would have been much better. Um, yeah, to me, he looks like. Um, this guy, Tom Boyden, who's a YouTuber. Um, I mean, look up Tom Boyden, and you'll be like, wow, that is fucking Leon uh, <laughs> in today's, like, status. Uh, when he's when he looks, well, you know, when he has misdemeanor. It doesn't matter. Um, let's get back to the movie, because I was about to go on a rant about Tom Boyden. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll save it for another time. Uh, all right. We then see uh, Wesley greeting. He's doing some talk in front of, like, the school about, you know, screw football but all of these jocks pelt them pelt him and his nerd buddies with tomatoes and food and shit like that and then those same footballers go and crash into a sorority and fuck up this sorority meeting that's happening uh or like rush or something's happening and so they're all kind of causing a ruckus um adam helps counsel a student on women uh you know he's trying to just tell him hey be confident which is correct that's that's all the you know that's not all you need you also you know have to impress them in other ways uh but you know, confidence is an important factor, but we see that, you know, he's got this own girl in his life, Laura, and he doesn't have any confidence with her. So he doesn't really, you know, doesn't follow his own advice. So, uh, Laura can actually convinces him to play the game. Uh, you know, he thinks she thinks he should totally do it. And she kind of says, yeah, I sh- I'll definitely join you for your team as well. She kind of, you know, takes the lead on that. So, all right, we get starting to see people are going to be joining in. Um, and then we meet, some real idiots like these are like scooby-doo <laughs> idiot level people with harold and the blue team it was so over the top oh oh my god well, I mean, yeah one guy has no lines and then there's rumored that one guy had a mental illness 
and that's exactly how they play it. And if there's one thing we know from Tropic Thunder, you don't go full on that. You just yeah, you don't you don't go all the way. Um, but they did, and it just it it's, it it really does remind me of like those '70s cartoons, those '80s cartoons, like the um, Magilla Gorilla and all that stuff. Where like some of the characters were just they had some issues. They were just not funny. And I feel like if you know, looking back on it, that it's Disney. Some of the stereotypes make more sense looking back on it than watching it not knowing it was Disney. Well, I would say, yeah, not knowing it was Disney um, or like now realizing that it was Disney does make some sense to like the cartoonish comedy aspects of the film. So, yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, but we find out with Harold, his dad is basically pissed at him and because he's, he's a lazy shit. And so he tells him that he has to do the game and he wants him to be more like Adam. So there's this whole forced in there dislike hatred between Adam and um, Harold that in general, I kind of, I know this is early in the movie, but it feels like it came out of nowhere to me. It's just like, whoa, okay, they know each other. That's a strange thing. Yeah, I feel like there's yeah, a bad was... editing cut somewhere that uh, even if a scene, a backstory, opening montage that mm-hmm. they could have 10 second clip that they cut that they shouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, it was literally just, here's exposition that the, as the dad, I'm just going to tell you, you hate Adam, remember? But I want you to be more like him because you're not good enough. Uh, and so anyway, um, Adam and Harold, you know, they get people to join their team. Uh, his dad, Harold's dad bought him this sweet flame decal van for his crew, which uh, reminded me very much of Wacky Races, the cartoon. <laughs> like it even had an observation bubble. I was like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah. Wesley convinces his uh, nerd team to do the race as well. So uh, the sports people are also going to, you know, do it just because they want to battle the nerds. And so all these teams that, you know, just as Leon predicted, they are all joining in. um, And the sorority girls also do the same because they hate the jocks. So they're going to try and get back at them. You know, so we've got Adam's got uh, about they only got about four or five people on their team. Hey, but keep in mind, too, that 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 van predated the 18 Mm -hmm. by three years. True. But it wasn't as cool. No, it (laughs) The A-team didn't have the bubble. <laughs> they, yeah, they need, you're right. The A-team needed a bubble. They needed an observation bubble. Jesus. <laughs> so uh, one of the people that Adam gets onto the team as well is the dude that he was counseling before, the kind of guy who was afraid of girls um, and, and lacked confidence. So Yeah, his mom sets him up with this date that they, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, harsh in 2021. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think about it, where apparently she wasn't uh, pretty enough, and so Adam tries to save him from the date by having him join the team. So, But even Laura did, too. She pulled him as well. So it was kind of that weird thing that it wasn't just... Adam, like you had both the guy and girl, like nope, we're you're, we're sealing you away. This this movie, I mean, is very much riddled with those kind of jokes that you know were were popular and and you know socially acceptable at the time. Make fun of ugly people, make fun of fat people. Lots of fat jokes coming up. Oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you, it's 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 you can still have. I I think you can have jokes about anything. I believe that's important, but they just need to be done well. And I wouldn't say these are particularly done well. Um, so anyway, all the teams, they get their first clue and the game starts. They head out to their vehicle and, you know, they're working on the clue, trying to figure out, they're all kind of driving, trying to, um, interpret what it means. And they all end up kind of going in different directions. It all has to do with like the stars. And so one team thinks it's like, okay, it's about Hollywood, the Hollywood Boulevard stars. Other things, it's like the, uh, stars at the wax museum. Other people think it's this other stuff. And immediately it's like, well, they're going to end up at the fucking Griffith observatory. I mean, that (laughs) was just... It was, it, without question, I was like, well, this is obviously an actual astronomy kind of thing. Um, but maybe that was just me. Maybe I'm just, I'm I'm smart and I probably would dominate in a one of these games, I think. 
But this is also where that that Easter egg I was talking about because the the nerd group, as they're looking at the Hollywood Walk of Fame, yeah, they're like count all these steps, do this thing, and they end up at Mickey Mouse's star. Yes, they do, and you get a nice tight of right at Mickey with a whole bunch of um, uh, cigarette butts <laughs> around it, which is very true to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so right, but that, there there was your your only kind of clue predating early two thousands that it was Disney. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that that area with the stars is like this glamorous area. It is not. No, I mean there, there's a long one. It's a lot longer than people realize. Right. Like the 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 Walk of Fame goes for a, for miles. Yeah. I mean it, it is a long stretch. Um, but like yeah, that Hollywood, you know Hollywood and Highland, uh, Hollywood and Vine. That area is like kind of okay ish. It's okay, yeah. But like once you get past that, it's uh, yes. It's yeah, there, there's there's the stretches. Yeah, that they're not not great areas. So, um, but yeah, we kind of see Leon and his ladies are all. Uh, watching from his apartment, you know. We also get a little backstory that he—they're having—he's having trouble with the landlady, uh, and he might get evicted. Okay, I don't care about Leon's backstory. Like, why the fuck did <laughs> I hated this? I hated this storyline. It made no fucking sense. So, all right. So now the teams are all in their kind of different locations, trying to figure out what the numbers mean uh, in the clue as well. And I can't go any further. I should have mentioned it right away. But can you name? Who are my two least favorite characters from this entire movie? Anybody want to guess? Um, the entire green team and the entire blue team. <laughs> I mean, those are good guesses. I mean, I hated the blue team. Or, or the two other girls on the red team. That was the it. Twins. The twins. The, you know, the uh, the larger twins, they, those large ladies who giggled. Their giggle, I yeah, uh, wanted to rip my yeah, ear holes out. They would have been a lot better without the giggle. Yeah, they served no purpose at all. Yeah, I, I will admit yeah. that. Couldn't stand it. Um, so, yeah, they annoyed the fuck out of me. All right. We see uh, Harold. He he got to the observatory, uh, but it mainly, you know, he's able to figure stuff out because his dad got him this fancy computer uh, in his van. And so that's how he got so quick to the first one. Uh, Yellow team then figures it out because uh, one of their guys looks up into the sky and realizes, oh, those are stars up there. Maybe we should go to the Griffith Observatory. Uh, John, we've been to the Griffith Observatory before together. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very cool spot. I, we took your son. He was too young to remember, but yes, yeah, he was still in like a stroller. Uh, but I've been, I've been there so many times. It's a great spot. It's a place I like to take people. It is a nice spot. Yeah, yeah, and you get a lot of cool things. You can get a, I don't know. There's just a lot of interesting stuff. It's a good little museum area, and um, yeah, great views of LA as well. Well, so. there's a great view of LA in this scene when the yellow team gets there. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the landscape. I was probably, you know, uh, <laughs> writing my notes at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, LA, it's it's a pretty area. Oh, or do you mean do you mean the telescope? Is yeah, that what you were alluding to, Brian? Yeah. Okay, yeah, what telescope. the kid? All right, there you go. I see you set you set me up, and I missed. I uh, you, you you gave me like a slow pitch, and I fucking whipped it's, it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I try, Adam. I try. You did. So this kid is on the telescope that the the yellow team wants to try and use, and guess what he's doing. He's looking at it through uh, into a woman's window who is undressing. Uh, so again, yeah, very much that teen sex comedy bit. But you never, she never takes off her bra. We never see that, mm-hmm. or she does, but we, you know, it's it's off camera, and so we never see those that bit. It's just to me, you, you, my head went that telescope isn't gonna go down yeah. far enough to see people's homes. Yeah. <laughs> Like that annoyed me. I was like, "There's no way that telescope, you know, hits hits that angle to see people's homes." This, that annoyed me. <laughs> but I mean, exactly, very comedic with that kind of thing. I mean, we've seen those kind of jokes in um, 
Monster Squad. Oh, they yeah. Did similar ones. A lot of ones. You do stuff like that. Even hell, even Back to the Future. Michael Jackson, or not Michael Jackson, Michael <laughs> J. Fox. Michael Jackson probably saw some some boys through windows oh. and little peepholes that he had in Neverland. But Michael Fox, Michael J. Fox, he is only in movies where peepholes and, and spying and peeping toms are, apparently. That's one thing we know. Because Back to the Future, his dad. Anyway, yeah. that was a stretch. And then I had to, I had to play off my shitty <laughs> Michael Jackson thing. You gotta stay with me, people. Stay with me. That that was a ta- that bourbon is kicking in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's getting closer to noon, right? You know, it is good. Ooh, ooh, chocolatey, chocolatey note on the smell today. Yeah, like if chocolate and vanilla had a baby. That's exactly what I just got on the nose. Nice. Gotta appreciate that. All right. So the green team, the green team uh, gets there too, uh, and eventually, you know, they get the kid off the telescope. And uh, the L team does see the next clue, which it says they have to find the 8,800 keys. Okay. So they're trying to figure that out. The green team uh, gets into the telescope room and Adam kind of slyly sets it for the same coordinates for that lady's window uh, just to distract the jocks when they go in and look at it. So ha ha ha. Guys love boobs. I don't know. That's that's just a joke. It's it's a, it's a thing though for a lot of guys, not all guys. You're saying you don't, Adam? I had an entire episode where we talked about it. All right, so I'm, I'm. You can, you can all find out if, whether I like them or not <laughs> if you listen to that episode. So, uh, all right, uh, Leon cut back to his apartment. He's still loud, and there's still, um, you know, kind of about, people kind of about to come in and complain, but they're all kind of curious about what's going on. Um, so we're gonna go just get cut back to him every now and then. But there is another um, small Easter egg here that one of the tenants that comes in complains. Wally voice mm-hmm. the was the voice of Piglet in Winnie the Pooh. Oh. oh, yeah, I could see that. Yes, he was that. He was the shorter kind of bald yep. guy with glasses who came in very early. Yep. He was kind of like the leader of like all the neighbors. See, it's funny because yeah. I, I, I instantly recognized him as one of the uh, jurors from 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did not place the voice until you just said that. And I was like, oh, that is definitely Piglet. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't, yeah, you go. You kind of go back and hear it in your head and you're like, yep, definitely. So again, that, so. that other little Disney reference there that just you know yeah to me the the Disney Easter eggs are just because they're so they're true Easter eggs. I mean they mean nothing, but it's just you see the tie-ins. Uh, all right, so Harold and the blue team they get to a piano store. We see that, so they're still moving along. Adam then sees his brother Scott waiting for a bus. He's trying to to run away and go to San Francisco. And Adam just kind of casually like, oh, that's my brother. Okay, what you're going to San Francisco? Go oh, fucking come here, and he just grabs him and pulls him in. That just Again, the writing felt very out of the blue, uh, where Laura was like, hey, isn't that your brother? Oh, yeah, it is. Hey, join the team. Come on over. I mean, it didn't really, wasn't really join the team. It was come along because I don't want you to run away. Um, but it just, they didn't really set up yeah, that relationship very well or his well, anger. As it goes on, I think you see the lack of relationship. Just that he just, Adam doesn't, yeah. he's like, well, I can't let him run away, but I don't really care about him. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I mean, like the relationship makes sense as to why. Scott is upset, but I'm saying just like the way that they made the film wasn't very good with how they gave it to us. Is how, I guess how I'll put it. Uh, the blue team starts kind of playing the piano. We get kind of a, a weird scene. The weird scene is when the blue team starts like doing like this musical number. In the middle of the piano store it just came across as strange to me but <laughs> comical i guess 
Uh, so yeah, they're starting. They found the next clue basically, and the yellow team then gets there, and green, uh, blue team then is you know heading out because they think they know what the clue is. They think it's okay. These are the letters, and you have to unscramble them, and that'll tell us where to go. Uh, but uh, so they're moving on that. But the computer in their van ends up getting trashed because Harold left some uh, some food on there that got in, into the computer, and now it's all screwed up. And so they can't do it. So it's hindering them now. Uh, the green team ends up solving the riddle. And it's the jocks, of course. And one of the jocks, it just hit me at this moment where I recognize, like, man, you you look so familiar. But it it's uh, his name is Dirk Blocker. He plays Blaylack, uh, the, the real drunkard that we'll see later on. Um, he plays Hitchcock in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if either of you are Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans. Nope, but never seen an episode. Okay. Okay. I highly, highly recommend that. All right, but they realize from the song, it's that nothing to do with the notes, but the song is uh, was used, you know, as an advertisement jingle for Pabst Blue Ribbon. And so he's like, all right, we have to go to the Pabst Brewery. And he yells it so loud that all the rest of the team's here, other than Blue, who was already in their van. And then while they're driving, the twins get distracted at a fair, and they just jump out of the fucking truck. What the fuck? <laughs> like, they saw some food and jumped out. Like, that's that's pretty much what happened. I, yeah, I got nothing from y'all. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for, Adam. I got nothing for you on the red team. I can't help you there. That whole team is just. I'm looking for what the fuck. I mean, like seriously, they're on this mission and then they're just driving by a carnival and like the 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 fatter late the fat ladies are like, ooh, food! I gotta get out. It's just like really, come on. God damn. Other I, than other than a writer being lazy and having these teams and then going, I can't keep writing all these teams and I just need yeah. to focus on like the yellow and blue. Yeah. But if that's the case, just get rid of the red team altogether. They just got distracting stuff for him. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, all right. On the brewery tour, you know, the one green green guy, Blaylack, that I mentioned earlier, he ends up jumping into a beer at one point because he's so excited. Uh, I guess I can't say too much. I'm drinking whiskey uh, this early, too. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm actually, like, not drinking it to get drunk. I'm trying to get, get vibes from it. Let me take another sniff here. Okay. Ooh, corn. Corn came across that And time. you do have the uh, the blue team as they're figuring out the clue while they're in the mm. van yes. of, I think it was in, it got referenced maybe in Robot Chicken, and there may even be another podcast with the, the Faga Beefy, as they're trying to figure out the notes. Was that, is that you said that was a, a reference to something else? Yeah, they're figuring out there, and I think that, uh, I think I think it was Robot Chicken used it as a scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was I one like, that's yeah, kind of brought back up in like, this weird okay. reference in, in a couple places, but goes back to that. Yeah, that probably made like the one person who has seen Midnight Madness happy right. when, they, when they heard that. <laughs> you were out there. Yes, I get it. <laughs> it's a deep cut. Thank you, Seth Green. Woo. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, but yeah, so Scott gets uh, security on him because he's trying to buy a beer. Uh, obviously, Michael J. Fox is too young at this point to buy a beer, uh, but it ends up getting the whole uh, yellow team thrown out. Um, but they get thrown out right to the section where the clue is. Wow, that's convenient. Yeah. Um, they were they weren't thrown out into you know this other. Se- they were thrown out into the warehouse where all the beer gets taken. That is. This is where this is where the clues like started to lose me as as uh, far yeah. as it's like realism. Okay. Yeah. As to what what it actually would have been. Right. Because yeah, there's no way that you would have, have found that clue. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But apparently, uh, there the next clue is Mr. Carson's obese male child, 
and they kind of work it out. Ooh, Mr. Carson, it must be Johnny. Johnny Carson uh, is a B-smell child. And this is one of them that does not work for reality. The, the players, the people who are watching cannot work on this clue. Well, neither, I guess neither can, could the one before, the 8,800 keys, which one I could tell was going to be a piano thing. Mm-hmm. But so it's apparently they're going to a restaurant called Johnny's Fat Boy Burgers, which is obviously a ripoff of Bob's Big Boy. I, I guess they couldn't get the rights to Bob's Big Boy, where they definitely got the rights for, they was like, they had Dr. Pepper. Dropped in at one point. Um, <laughs> well, no, no, and Pabst. Do you know why they had Dr. Pepper? Hmm. So David Naughton from the last half of the 70s was their spokesperson. He did all the I'm a Pepper, you're a Pepper commercials. Oh, so okay. So he was under contract with Dr. Pepper. So they, I mean, yeah, there was a shot and it's way later, but like he is sitting drinking and everything was just placed so perfectly. He even like takes a sip and puts it back so perfect. I'm like, wow, Dr. Pepper definitely must have paid some money or something. Yeah, but so, yeah, okay. yeah, he was the <laughs> spokesperson of the whole I'm a Pepper, you're a Pepper, so... Yeah, that goes beyond product placement when you're like, oh, no, you're taking our actor. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so we do see that Blue Team is now struggling in behind because they don't have their computer. And the apartment people are all kind of now watching the game from Leon's place and more residents come in. It's just becoming more and more popular. Yay, you know, ha, ha, ha. They're all loving the game and just showing how, how interesting this is. So the blue team ends up following the yellow instead of just doing work themselves because they see them drive by. We see that the red cars team get, is getting towed. And uh, the blue team then ruins the yellow's Jeep by slashing their tires and draining their gas because that's what they're now trying to, you know, they're now playing real dirty. If cheating wasn't dirty enough before, now they're like committing felonies <laughs> or at least misdemeanors. So we get the uh, next clue because that they got to Bob's Big Boy or whatever. I mean, Johnny's Fat Boy Burgers. <laughs> and uh, they uh, it's have a seat and enjoy and look between the two giant melons. I knew immediately what two giant melons meant, um, but all the other teams seem to think this meant fruit. And so they are ordering fruit and thinking that they were going to be doing that. But this is, this is so obviously a boob joke <laughs> that uh, then the busty waitress comes around, who's credited as busty waitress. Uh, but that actress, uh, she's uh, actually not really much of an actress. She's much more of a stunt woman. And her name's Donna Garrett. And I just wanted to call her out because she's been a stunt woman on a lot of pretty cool films, uh, including Diamonds Are Forever, Logan's Run, Tron, Footloose, uh, Twins, and Roadhouse, and really so many oh, wow. more. So I think that was pretty awesome. But um, of course, you know, they notice eventually it's a boob joke and that there's a necklace in between in between her boobs, uh, around her neck. <laughs> and so they all have to fight over it. Uh, and eventually they, they rip it off and see it. And it says, hug me. Okay. Hug me. The yellow team then eventually realizes you have to re-scramble those letters and it's huge M. Oh wait, there's a mini golf world that has a huge M. That's what they should be going to. And also we just have a quick little thing where Adam is still awkward with, with Laura, just to kind of reinforce that relationship thing. So, uh, but they get to the Jeep and it is ruined. And so the yellow team decides to split up and try and, you know, that's that's how they're going to try and find a ride, get there. Um, but Scott is missing. Uh-oh. Of course, he's running away again because he get, he gets no love from Adam. The green team is still at the brewery thanks to Blaylack. <laughs> he's just still a drunkard. Right, I mean, if there was a distillery, Adam would be there, so... I mean, I, I like beer, but it wouldn't be for Pabst, yeah. I'm going to tell you that. It, it would be a craft brewery where I can actually have flavor. I, I drink Pabst to sober up. But no, and I said if there was a distillery, so if there, you know, had there been your bourbon there, right, you th- the game would have been over. Uh, yeah, yeah, if it's a distillery, yes, no, not a brewery. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be there tasting. They could go on. I'd be, go on without me. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely be um, 
you know, at a loss there. So, all right, uh, the we see the angry little red team person. I can't even remember her name, but using that trope, she's tiny and angry, and she uh, ends up clocking the tow guy, uh, the tow truck guy with his uh, with the door, and they end up stealing his truck. So again, more felonies in this movie, and uh, it's apparently Scott's birthday today. Holy shit! And Adam completely forgot about it, and no one loves him. Um, I wonder what what's his like. What are their parents like? Yeah. Like I want to know. <laughs> Yeah, I get it that Adam, he has a, a an issue with, with Adam, but there's nothing about, like, if they if they had lost their parents and Adam was the only person that he had. But, like, right now I'm feeling that the parents are terrible people for letting him not pay attention and he might be have gone to San Francisco or he's just feeling this hated. Like, I don't know. It just it just felt, felt, felt there was so much missing in their backstory that things were just kind of shoved and thrown to us. Like, Oh God, it's his birthday. Oh, there's an extra little shit. But like they, there needed more depth in there that just the writers obviously weren't going for. All right. Uh, the apartment has now turned into the re- residents are all betting on everything in the teams and who's going to get there. So it's, it's kind of fun madness uh, at that Leon's place. So uh, Adam's about ready to give up and you know, he's just, can't move on and then that's where that kid flinch his name is flinch the the nerdy kid who um who was lacking confidence earlier he uh he he's now kind of flips the script script and has to motivate adam to keep going and so what does he do he gets out in front of a car that is driven by you know two females and he is like come on ladies and he's got the confidence and he basically is just like they're totally cool with him just stealing their car and going somewhere so again more unbelievable but okay whatever um, just showing his, he's starting to change and hopefully it can, you know, it can motivate Adam. Teams get to mini golf world, including uh, the green team that coincidentally just stopped there, which I found kind of annoying that the jocks who were at the Paps Blue Ribbon earlier are now like, okay, oh, they just happened to get there as well. Uh, the yellow team got their Jeep fixed. And so, uh, you know, they end up making it there too. Everybody gets there. Uh, so the teams have to play mini golf and, Scott wants to, he's trying to tell Adam and help him out with this, you know, you got to go in this certain hole and that'll help him out. And Adam's just a real dick to him. Like, I absolutely, I do agree with Scott on this because, you know, Scott's just trying to help. And he's like, say, I know something about this. And Adam just throws him aside. So I think he's, you know, his, his hatred for, not hatred, but his depression towards his brother is pretty warranted. So. All right. Um, (laughs) You guys are being so quiet. I'm just going through the movie, and I'm like, anything. Somebody say something. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, it de- and well, I will say that. I mean, definitely in watching you, the the build up for the whole relationship between Adam and Scott pays off at one scene, and you have yes. to build it. But yeah, I do get while you're watching, you're like, there's just yeah, what is this? Yeah, I mean, there's just yeah. I mean, I, and I and the thing is, I fully understand why you guys aren't talking because there is not much going on but the shit that I just he's like, right. here's some plot, here's some plot. We're just moving it on, and I'm just like, the problem is, I just feel yeah, I'm just like stranded by myself because yeah, whoo, Brian, you're you're. It's pretty obvious what I'm gonna be talking about with this movie by the end I, of this. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> All right. So teams get some clues uh, from golf and uh, the yellow. Yellow figures out that it is uh, LAX that they have to head to. So uh, so they head over there, and we get, again, because this is 80s, you get like uh, Harry Krishna jokes or kind of cult at the airport jokes. These were very popular. John and I, we talked about this pretty extensively when we discussed uh, airport or airplane. airplane. That's the yeah. movie. Yeah. But the fun little twist here is Leon set those guys up 
because they're actually giving out the clues. And so everyone's kind of ignoring them, but they're the ones giving out the clues. So that was kind of cute. And I will say, I think, and I think it was at the miniature golf world where it was like, to me, the big glare of any scavenger hunt is if you come up and there's the five envelopes of color. Oh my, Why, why yes. don't I just get rid of all of them? The first team there, just get rid of all of them. I, I thought, dude, I was there with you the entire time. Actually, yeah, while I was watching it, I was like, the first team that gets there, steal the rest of the fucking clues. Throw them away, burn them, take them with you, and so no one else can move forward, but you've got it. Because the thing is, like, all those clues were the exact same for each team. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge issue with the, with this kind of scavenger right. hunt. The, when the, it, the, the writing on the, the drawbridge, I'm like, okay, well, that's permanent. Anybody can see it. And it, anybody else mm-hmm. playing is just like, okay, whatever. But, but yeah, when you have envelopes just there, it's like, what? Yep. Steal them. You, you and me, Brian. We could do a Midnight Madness run, and we would win immediately. As long as we got, as long as we got there quickly. Either that, or or you just follow everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just follow. All right. Um, eventually, they all figure out that these, you know, Harry Krishna people are doing it, do, sending out the flyers, and they find them on the ground or whatnot, um, and they uh, get the next clue. Here, I wrote down the Dr Pepper plug. <laughs> so as Yellow is trying to figure it out, and they rework it, and it's pinball city that they have to go to and here we get a good little cameo from paul rubens hey. aka Wee herman yeah it's kind of nice to see him he was still very kind of quirky um uh. no, this is before this is still before Wee, wasn't it this was yes. before he made yeah before the movie and stuff the, the paul rubens was using that character in mm-hmm. whatever theater he was doing but right it was before his movie and stuff like that so yeah. It's kind of the, okay. the starting point here for, you know, with him, Fox, like, you know, mm-hmm. launch pad for some people. Wasn't he a groundling? He was either groundling or Second City. It was one of the two. Oh, that would make sense. It was one of those, yeah. right. But that he was using that okay. Pee-wee character for. Whichever one Phil Hartman was in is the one that he was in. Yeah, I think Phil Hartman was a groundling. I don't believe he was Second okay. City. Then it, then it would be groundlings because I know those two guys kind of came up okay. together in the in the improv world. Very cool. So they have to play this video game uh, and get a high score. But Adam sucks at the video game, as does the rest of the yellow team, so they can't do it. Uh, but Laura goes over to Scott, who's kind of like, you know, sulking. He's in that teenage... If 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 that if this character, if this was like set in like the early 2000s or like in the late 90s, I think Scott would have like shopped at Hot Topic and been a goth because <laughs> he was very sulky and whiny the entire time. He would have had, he would have had a black eyeliner, 100%, yeah. and probably a choker. <laughs> so... That's the vibe I got from him. It was just like, Jesus, stop whining. Angsty teen. Angsty teen whining. If you do need a good trivia thing, that Starfire game actually existed. Oh, okay. I That's a real... Now, the cabinet did, and they had to use the cabinet hmm. because of the scene coming up. But the video game Starfire, that was a, a real game. You know, I, I didn't hear... I haven't heard of it, so I just kind of expected it to be a different game that they just slapped a different name on. That was a fake one. So, okay, cool. So, there again, more plugging. So, uh, but yeah. Laura convinces Scott to come over. He plays it, and of course, he kicks butt. Uh, but Adam is still a douche to him. So, fuck. Scott whines and runs away. God damn it. So, uh, and now Adam, at first, real dick. <laughs> like, he wants to leave him. He just wants to ditch him. And he's like, fuck that guy. Your brother. <laughs> and I'll just fucking ditch him. And uh, But the yellow team wants to go after him. So, what does Adam do? He drives off with, with leaving the rest of the yellow team. He's just like, ah, fuck y'all. I'm going to keep going. Like... Wow. If Laura if Laura at that moment should have just been like, yeah, this is not the guy for me. <laughs> That's my opinion. Then we see the uh, nerdy red team. Or sorry. Then we see the nerdy. Uh, or sorry. Then we see the jockey green team getting to the pinball game store and the sorority team. They all have this eh, big, ridiculous fight by throwing 
you know, stuffed toys and the, the ball shooter games at each other and stuff like that. It's just, it's madness. It's true midnight madness going on right now. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, Scott sees the blue team who are just kind of driving around, not knowing what the hell to do right now. Uh, and he wants to tell them where the finish line is because he's mad at Adam. Here's the other thing too. You lived in LA mm-hmm. and uh, granted this is mm-hmm. 80, but how many all night video arcade places were there? Cause at oh, this point <laughs> it's like three, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're right. This is this is way late. And I mean, LA, LA stays later than a lot of places, but it is not like a 24 hour like literally even when I go to like New York, you know, that is the quote unquote, the city that never sleeps bullshit because at 4 a.m. the bars close and everything kind of does shut down. Vegas is the only city that never sleeps. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it, you're right. There's there's no way all that stuff would be open unless unless Leon is uh, a millionaire and he paid them to stay open. That was my only thought about why he had those two girls with him is he clearly had the money to pull something off like this. He had that huge big board. Uh, he was a college age student who had his own apartment in this other, you know, uh-huh. apartment. He must have been loaded. That's the only thing I could think have. of. Yeah, it wasn't a great apartment complex, but I mean, he was, he did have his own and in LA, you're, you're no one can afford houses. <laughs> so is he going to be in any spot? So yeah, right, fair enough. That's That's got to be it. Adam eventually does come back for the rest of the team and to find his brother. Yay. Uh, the blue team then force, basically almost torture him <laughs> to, uh, to tell him like, like Harold grabs his hair and like pulling him. And that's when Scott does tell them um, the final clue or where the uh, last fi- the finish line is going to be. And they throw him out of the car and we got a terrible stunt double when you when he was thrown out the car the guy looked like he was 30 something uh <laughs> stunting for michael j fox which i thought was very funny so um adam then finds him and they embrace they have a nice hug what i didn't see was adam apologizing to him immediately i think that would have been nice but right, i guess just showing back up is the apology i guess so yeah he didn't say i'm sorry like at all <laughs> i just thought that was strange uh, meanwhile Let's see, oh, the game gets broken that at the pinball. Still, kind of talking back to all their other teams that are still at the pinball place. That gets broken, but uh, Green heads out and they end up crashing the red team's truck. Then we get a weird, another god damn this this fucking scene here where the female, who I would say the female on the blue team, who is the only like, I don't know, she didn't seem that bad to me. Everyone else was other than like she had some, you know, she was dating Harold, probably just because he was rich or something. I don't know. But she had a weird thing where she was like, oh, she got this doll, you know, that reminded her of Harold. And they left it when they threw uh, Scott out the wind or out of the um, van. And she insists that they have to go back and get the doll as opposed to winning, going and winning this race right now. I thought it was strange. It just just I mean, it was the only thing it, it let yellow catch back up. And so, yeah, yay! Now they're all driving fast together to try and, you know, get to the finish line. Now also we see that the uh, apartment people, the police, uh, get in. There's a scene where they, you know, have to. I don't know. Like the old, the, the old landlord lady breaks one of the radios, and now she's in handcuffs, and they all get excited because they're all heading to the finish line together. Ugh, I, I hate the fucking cutbacks to Leon. <laughs> uh, so the teams arrive at the big hotel, and again, this definitely perpetuates that Leon has a bunch of money because he's just coordinating all this stuff and he can afford this expensive room as well. Uh, the teams arrive. Uh, red and white team are now working together. And we get to see a little thing, you know, even when they drove over that the um, 
the main red team uh, girl is, you know, oh, kind of. She thinks it's so cute how Wesley is so super nerdy. So I don't know. It's just unnecessary stuff like that. But they kind of work together, dressing up as maids and bellboys to sneak into the uh, hotel. Uh, but then security starts chasing them with an over-the-top cheesy security guard who actually kind of reminded me of the security guard from... Um, Mallrats. Mallrats. Exactly. Yes. My- <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, LaFleur's. Yeah. That was the early LaFleur's from Mallrats. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So uh, Leon gives them a clue for the pool area. They all should go see, but they have to see it and express. They should expressly see it. And security gets called also from Leon's group to, to try and, you know, get her out of handcuffs or whatever. Anyway, that'll that'll come back in a second. But Adam figures out that they need to take the express elevators to see something uh, from up high. And Blue ends up following him. And so uh, the rest are all kind of in the main pool area, not sure what's going on. But Adam and the Blue team both kind of simultaneously see that it's room 2704. Oh, shit. And they're all excited. And so it's an express elevator. I want to know why they did this. And this just seemed really, really dumb to me. The express elevator was either at ground level or level 51, and they had to go to level 27 for 2704. And so they get to the top, and they immediately press the down button again, so that way they can go back down and then go to another elevator. 27 is closer, though marginally, to 51 than it is to ground level. Get the fuck off that level and use the stairs going down. You can go faster, and you will get there before your elevator gets down, go to the other elevator, and then goes up. Why didn't they just use the stairs in that moment? Well, I can I can give you a logical one. Okay. I know how much you love logic. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. I have not getting getting enough of that from this film. So maybe that will help. The logical answer is that the stairs do not go to the 27th floor. In in that, uh, it might be a separate. Uh, Could be a tower, separate tower. Yeah, separate tower. Okay. Beca- because it's because it's an express elevator and it's going just to that bar area. I'll give you that. Okay, because it's not connected to the rest of the hotel. All right. Fair enough. So uh, they now get on a new elevator, uh, but Blue ends up, Blue team fucks with the elevator controls. And, you know, so they start going up the stairs and running. Uh, Yellow's team uses Scott's retainer to Jimmy the manual override, which was... Which is a key lock. It's a key lock, yeah. It wasn't like just a simple turn. Like, it had to have the exact key, but... That's, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I, 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 years ago, or I don't know, a decade ago, so I worked in the elevator manufacturing and built elevators. And so every oh, wow. movie that has an elevator in it where they like go through the door in the top, like just irritates that just kills me because <laughs> none of it's ever accurate. Like, so yeah, it's like a, like a diehard kind of thing where elevators are a big part of his, you know, moving up and down. That, yeah. Like there is so a, you, there is a hatch at the top of an elevator cap, but it's only accessible from the top of the cap. You, there's no way to open it up from inside the car. Ah, okay. You know, but that gets used in every movie and just, yeah. That seems like mm-hmm. a emergency or fire hazard if you couldn't open it from the inside. It's well, it's, yeah. it's emergency for firefighters to get to rescue out because an elevator shaft is a firewall from a fire. So as long as the fire is not in the elevator car, if the building's on fire, the shaft is protected. Okay. And so, but otherwise, if it was but inside, if you're in the elevator car and there is a fire in the elevator car and you have no way out, that yeah, seems you, like a hazard. Yeah, you you better hope that you're stopping somewhere. But I mean, <laughs> usually a fire is not starting inside the car. Okay. All right, uh, so both teams end up getting to the 27th floor at the exact same time on opposite ends of uh, the hallway. Blue ends up grabbing a fire hose to try and stop them even, uh, but they end up watering the security guard team that came up 
uh, thanks to the landlord lady who had called them. And now they, the security team is now jumping all over the blue team. And so yellow gets to go into the room and they are the winners. Yay. They won this game. I don't even remember what the prize was. Did we ever find out if there was a prize? No, just knowing that your, your group was better than all the others. Oh, yeah, it was just the, the stereotypical people, you know. God damn it. Pride is the suckiest uh, yes. prize of all. Yeah. Uh, so at an after party, the blue team, um, you know, is taken by security uh, while there's all food and all this fun stuff. And then Harold ends up like busting away and just starts eating the food because he's so hungry um, because his girlfriend wasn't letting him eat food earlier. And he ends up shoving her into the pool which, as I mentioned before, she seemed like really not a bad person. She just cares about him and trying to, you know, uh, have him eat healthier. And he's just, he's, everybody laughs at her for falling in the pool. But I'm like, fuck that guy. Like, mm-hmm. he's just being an asshole. Adam and Laura kiss triumphantly among the cheers. The end of the fucking movie. And we get that Midnight Madness song playing again. So. We finally did it. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Um. I mean, it's, I'm not spoiling anything, but I, but I don't want to say, I'll let, you know, Brian, Brian, you start us off. This was your movie, and I, I'm very curious. Maybe we can start on a positive note, because I don't know if it's going to happen after that. Right. And so it'll be, you, you're the one with the nostalgia here. Yeah, so yeah, it was a movie that I watched as a kid, and then growing up playing scavenger hunts, doing things like that, it's one that's always brought it back. And I get probably watching it now, especially older, yes, there's a lot of tropes in it that don't hold up. Some weird things like white... You know, okay, teams should just follow the other one or get rid of the clues that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but for me, yeah, it's just like I said, it's it's to me, it's a feel good movie of my childhood of watching it. It's easy to watch. It's there is no in-depth plot. It's good for background noise. Yes, I think if not watching it as a kid, it, it probably is a hard movie. Otherwise, yeah, it just it, it brings back just childhood memories. OK. All right, John. I think the watching it as a kid thing is important, and I will say that um, uh, when my son did come in and kind of watched the ending third or so with me, he actually kind of got invested a little bit in it, and I think that's because he liked the idea of doing a scavenger hunt game. He likes games like that, so the idea of doing this big scavenger hunt across the city to him sounds like it would be a lot of fun, and actually it sounds like a lot of fun to me. I mean, the, yeah. the idea behind it sounds like a great idea. Um, the execution is questionable, but uh, but that being said, yeah, the movie the movie always seemed to me the whole time like it was trying to be like a Animal House or Porky's or one of those sort of comedies without the raunchiness that makes that kind of makes those comedies work. Pretty early on, I knew I was not going to be invested in the movie, and that pretty much continued to the end until I was glad it was over. And before Adam starts right. here, I will say, just because <laughs> I know this is going to be a rant, um, there have been a number of places. There's one in San Francisco where a guy created what's called the game that takes place, but then Georgia Tech in Atlanta to this day still does an all-night scavenger hunt um, with their marching band and like and friends of the cool. band, and they, they play around Atlanta. Um, all night long with a, a lot of musical stuff. Tech sucks. I, I, I realize that. Yeah. And that's <laughs> Go dogs. Yeah, and when I mentioned that the other day, I was like, I'm going to bring up something Georgia Tech, which I know you know is like yeah. the the <laughs> stepbrother. I mean, of actually, Georgia. what I should have said is, and to hell with Georgia Tech. Sorry. Yes, I and to do hell it right. with Georgia Tech. Right. 
But Adam is close to Atlanta, so you know you could go up to Atlanta and get involved in, in and take it to Georgia Tech. There you go. There you go. I can prove that uh, dogs are better. Woo. Um, Brian, what the fuck, man? Seriously, what the fuck? It's like you chose this movie just to eat at my soul, to make my eyeballs want to melt deep inside, so I can never see or hear anything else ever again. Like all my senses. Are, are blinded by this piece of shit film right now. <laughs> it's not good. No, it's not good. It's not funny. The acting is atrocious. Like, you could go and find someone in my LaGrange theater uh, off the street right now who's probably addicted to meth and pull them in, and they're a better actor than everyone in this fucking movie. It's this trash filmmaking, and I think less of you because of it. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> it's like he knew what he was doing to you, and so that's why he sent you the bourbon to make up for this. I needed this. If I didn't have this whiskey to get through even just discussing this film, <laughs> I would have jammed pencils into my brain, and that would have been the end of our podcast. Like, we <laughs> just went, well, Brian McClure uh, forced Adam to commit Harry Carey uh, <laughs> because he watched Midnight Madness. Adam, I got to ask you the important question. I know what you're going to say. Better or worse than Baby Secret of the Lost Legend? Uh, we're not there yet. It's still better than C- Baby Secret of the Lost oh. Legend. <laughs> it's still better. Oh. Um, the, you're right. The scavenger hunt aspect is a cool aspect. And uh, the overall concept is fun. The execution is is awful, so it's it's the slightest of margins. I will give it over Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, so just barely, like a fucking pube width. It's so fucking terrible. Very thin. I don't know how thick your pubes are, but okay. But 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 here I'm going to make it for an upturn to you, because we got through the movie, but now we can get to the next part. Now we're going to discuss Wings. And now this is a show that I think all three of us are nostalgic for. Uh, Brian, because this was your call, how about you tell us a little bit about, you know, what, well, I, I, let me let me go through over a couple different things and then we'll, we'll got that. Just kind of get like the basics. Uh, so Wings is a TV show that uh, aired from 1990 to 1997 on NBC. It had eight seasons, 172 episodes created by David Angel. Peter Casey and David Lee, all who uh, wrote on Cheers together, and they also created this, and they created Frasier. Mm-hmm. There are even some crossovers with Frasier, uh, like the later seasons. I think they, um, you know, they kind of they shared the universe, if you will. The cast of the show: Joe is played by Tim Daly. Uh, a lot of people might know him from he had a long stint on the show Private Practice, which was a rip, uh, um, spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. Um, but actually, I kind of always remember him as the voice of Superman in the animated Superman show. From the uh, from the nineties, hmm. Brian is played by Steven Weber. I highly, highly recommend him on and just overall the show Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, that was an Aaron Sorkin show that only lasted twenty two episodes. It's a fantastic show that was canceled too soon. Uh, it was kind of one of those that it was early when like Netflix um, had kind of been shown and other stuff, and it didn't seem like it was getting good ratings, and then people saw, like, oh, shit, people are actually watching the hell out of this on, like, some streaming platforms, but it, it just, they never kind of went back to it, and they never, so it ended up getting canceled, but it is a wonderful show, starring Matt Matthew Perry, 
um, and some other really, really good actors and actresses. He was actually the voice of Charlie B. Barkin on the All Dogs Go to Heaven TV show. So not the movie, okay. uh, but I absolutely remember that uh, TV show. And I actually think one of the first things I typically think of is he did a um, The Shining miniseries. So they redid The Shining oh. as a miniseries, and he uh, starred in that one. Uh, Helen is played by Crystal Bernard. She was in a show called It's a Living for 93 episodes where she played a waitress, which was kind of funny because that's, <laughs> she, just, she can't get away from diners, I guess. Yeah. Stick with what you know. Yeah. Roy is played by David Schramm. Uh, he's really not really done anything else significant that I wanted to bring up. Uh, mm-hmm. Faye is played by Rebecca Scholl. Also, nothing really significant I wanted to bring up. And then some of the other extra characters... Uh, are Antonio, played by Tony Shalhoub. A lot of people recognize him from Galaxy Quest, Men in Black. He was the voice of Splinter in the Michael Bay uh, first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. But I think now he is just absolutely best recognized from his uh, show Monk, which was really good. I think that was on, was that USA or TNT? I can't remember. I think it was USA. Yep. Um, and he actually didn't come in. He actually had a guest spot in season two for like one episode, but he came in as like the taxi driver guy in season three. So yeah. Uh, Lowell was played by Thomas Hayden Church, and most people should recognize him from Sideways or Spider-Man 3, where he played the only, really the only redeeming part of that movie, which was the Sandman <laughs> character in the Sandman's arc. Uh, so he was solid in that. Uh, Lowell left after season six, and then basically I remember they added this character, Bud Bronski, who was like this military kind of dude. He had like a buzz cut, uh, <laughs> and he was like this, um, he was the mechanic for a little while, but he yeah. didn't even end up staying. Uh, and then Casey is played by Amy Yazbek, who I remember her most, honestly, besides this, from Robin Hood Men in Tights, where she played Maid Marian. Mm. Uh, she was also in The Mask. She was also in Problem Child. Uh, a lot of yeah. stuff. And and Brandon and I were talking about this of people who to, to add into our casting that we're going to do later. And we're like, yeah, we got to do Casey. But then it wasn't until after that that we realized she didn't come in until season six. Yeah. Yeah. I just went back and watched this again, start to finish. And even then, like, is it six, seven, eight? And it felt like she'd been there for so mm. much longer. It was like, oh, she was only in for a couple seasons, but she felt so pivotal. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more later, but I do want to find out now, Brian, why are we doing Wings? Like, what is your nostalgia for this show? So as a kid, I had cousins who loved Cheers and thought Cheers was the funniest thing. I was middle school going to high school with Cheers, and a lot of it just missed me. I was like, I, I, I don't get it. Wings came out. Wings to me was fabulous. Taking flying lessons at the time, just everything about it, being in the airport, just like even though the the plane is really just secondary to what's going on in the terminal, it just I guess it was the introduction to that trio of writers from the Cheers universe and then into Frasier and all that of this was a show that I loved. And then going back um, the last couple of years and working my way back through Cheers again and seeing the humor of it and then rolling into Wings and then watching it. It was just, yeah, it was one of those sitcoms, like, it was like, th- that felt more than just a, a normal sitcom that you had to watch. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, John, uh, what do you kind of remember from you or us watching this when we were younger? Uh, I definitely remember watching this show. It was probably one of my go-to afternoon after-school shows on whatever days it came on. I remember more watching it in syndication on USA. Yeah. Uh, than I ever do, like, watching the, you know, scheduled stuff. Um, But I would always watch it if it came on. I love the characters, and I am not too proud to admit I had a little bit of a crush on Crystal Bernard. 
Okay. Back then, when I was a when I was a teenager, so that was another big part of uh, watching this. Oddly enough, no, I had nothing for uh, the character of Casey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't care. But uh, yeah, I love the show. I thought it was so funny, um, and I was ex- I was excited to go back and and watch it. Yeah, this is actually a show that I s- had started watching. Maybe it was about a year ago or so. I was like, okay, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna get going. Through, I wanted. To, I was trying to introduce it to my wife and be mm. like, "Hey, let's uh, watch Wings from start to finish." She didn't really click onto it, so we ended up switching to another show. But it's one that I absolutely watched when I was younger, and very similar to John, I actually remember most from uh, USA Syndication. Probably like exactly. It was. It was. You know, it was a funny sitcom that you know we could watch even as kids, and it wasn't. Too bad. Yeah, there's some innuendos and things like that that as an adult you get, but it was um, things that were, were very, I don't know, just humorous to us, um, mm-hmm. even even at that age. So, uh, all right. Uh, this show was based in the fictional uh, Tom Nevers Field Airport, which is a small two-line airport in Nantucket, Massachusetts, uh, not to be confused with the actual Nantucket Memorial Airport. Um, and the uh, two main characters, the Hackett brothers, operate Sandpiper Air. So, little backstory on Tom Never. Tom Never was actually, um, so this was a fictional airport, but they named it after an actual uh, person who lived on Nantucket. He was a Wampanoag Native American born on the island of Nantucket circa 1640. And he ended up partnering with British settlers uh, to commercially export whale oil. Um, And so there's multiple places in Nantucket that are named after Tom Never. So there's Tom Never's Head, Tom Never, which is kind of an area that he would stand and watch looking for whales. And they also have Tom Never's Swamp and Tom Never's Pond. Uh, but the actual airport is fictional. But I thought that was kind of cool that they based off of a, of a real thing. Uh, a lot of good little running things in this show. I liked uh, Faye has some dead husbands all named George. Uh, <laughs> that was a little thing that I was kind George of kept one, popping George 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And Brian ended up dating a lot of different people. He, Brian kind of was a, um, I don't know, player, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh there was a character, Alex, that came on for two seasons, who was like a helicopter pilot, and she was kind of like the crush for a little while, at least for, for Brian, and then in came Casey, and he uh, things kind of shifted to him and Casey, um, which is kind of interesting. I mean, so both, so Casey and Helen are sisters, Brian and Joe are sisters, and so it's kind of just, I don't know, I feel like that happens a lot in movies where brother-sister pairs end up dating other brother-sister pairs, or, or, or that kind of thing. Yeah brothers date sisters but it makes some sense yeah joe and helen's relationship was usually like a pivotal thing in the show they weren't always together they were kind of kind of on off on off right um but you know they were ones that we always know kind of were meant to be together kind of thing helen also had she had her whole cello thing there she was like you know she was trying to trying to join like the symphony at some point. Also, there was all these kind of little weight jokes because she was uh, fat as a kid. And so she overcame that, but they kind of things like that they pulled up. Um, and then another thing that I always really remember is Lowell's doofusness. Like <laughs> that guy was just, Lowell he made was the br- show. Just his, the, the <laughs> yeah. quirkiness was just, and that was the problem with that when he left, they try to kind of replace it and like you, there, there's no replacing that character. Like Thomas Hayden church just played that so well. And there's just, yeah, they wrote off the the bud guy pretty quick, <laughs> thankfully, because it was like, just don't even try. Like, if you're going to get rid of him, if he leaves, oh well, he's just gone. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Lowell, you're right. He really did kind of like make the show because he would just throw out these random lines that you know just didn't make any sense, but they were just hilarious. 
Like, uh, I, I ended up watching, I think, three or four episodes uh, in preparation for this. I watched, like, the pilot, and then I watched a couple uh, mid, and then also I also watched the first one with Alex when she came on. Uh, what about you guys? Well, so, Brian, you said you recently rewatched the entire series. Yeah. Yeah, I just finished it um, probably even less than a month ago. And I mean, like, and well, Lowell was funny because it was all these quirkiness things, but then you had his wife who he was married to, but she was sleeping around with everybody, which became the big joke that he would go up to the, the bell mm. tower because he lived on a boat or a houseboat. There was the, to me, there was almost a odd couple aspect between the brothers, between Joe and Brian, except instead of an apartment, it was in <laughs> the, the terminal. You know, Joe was this mm-hmm. neat freak, right. everything in order this, and then Brian was just a womanizer slob. That's very true. So it was kind of the reverse, you know, instead of the the neat guy getting thrown out coming in, Brian came back from the past. It was, all, you know, different things with their dad who was insane, but had left them early on in the show, a kind of a scavenger hunt thing. And then at the end of the series, it was a scavenger hunt thing of them going through thinking that they're going to have all this money that they get. Uh, so I do want to mention the um, the theme song. And so that theme song, which I always really liked, uh, it wasn't written originally for them. It was actually, it's called Piano Sonata Number 20 in A Major by Franz Schubert. Mm-hmm. So it's like a legit classic song that they uh, just kind of put into here. But I, whatever it was, like, I don't know, they just had, it was like, um, you know, visuals of you're up in the sky, planes, and, and, and then it, by the end of the title sequence, it kind of lands, stuff like that. But I was, for some reason, that song always stuck in my head. It was very catchy. It was a very peaceful intro to go yeah. into a show. Like, it wasn't overly exciting, but it was just, it, it peacefully glided you in, you know, with the picture mm-hmm. of the plane coming down. I'm like, okay. Wow. Wow, what a perfect metaphor right there. Or <laughs> perfect way to set that up. Uh, yeah, so fun different characters. The the cast and, well, really the ensemble is what made this show, I think, for, mm-hmm. for all of us. Yeah. Um, you're right. The, we had the pair of Brian and Joe, which was fun. Helen was kind of like the nice girl next door. You always liked her, but she was also, I don't know, she was very Elaine to me, where she could she could kind of have her angry moments, which are always kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Roy was, you know, he Just was... Just this nasty, like, yeah. dirty, nasty, <laughs> rude, crude... He, yeah, he's who we consider, I'd say, like, the Corey of the Beef Up Network would be the Roy Biggins. He's just constantly dirty. He's constantly kind of an asshole. But you still, you need that antagonist character. You need that. Because Roy, without Roy, I also don't think it works. Because they get, he gives somebody for everybody to kind of, you know, root against at times. Right. I'm a big Bob's Burger fan. He's the Jimmy Pesto type of character, where if anybody watched that show. But Jimmy Pesto runs a... It's very similar. It runs a restaurant across the street from Bob's Burgers. And you don't hate Jimmy Pesto, but he's a fucking dick. Uh, and, and that's very much 
Uh, right, but you can tell that where everybody hates Roy and doesn't want to do anything with him, they, there there is still a certain love there with them that they're like, yeah, you know, like they're still oh, sorry, yeah, they're all in this together in yeah. this airport, this small little airport. They're kind of stuck together, and so there is that camaraderie. Yeah, I think they did a decent job. Like reading a lot of Stephen King, where Stephen King writes a lot about island life and people who live on an island, their lives are very different than anybody else's because you have to everything you do is interconnected, and I think you mm-hmm. get that when watching going back and watching it again. Antonio is, is this maitre d' that becomes this cab driver, but he just kind of hangs out and hoping as people come in, he can give them a ride, you know. And mm-hmm. But everything on an island kind of centers around that airport, like that little yeah. of people coming in and out. You're right. And Antonio was fun. I mean, you know, part of his comedy, he was, I don't know, he was, he was, he seemed like a sweet character. Like, honestly, Antonio yeah. was, was a sweet, he was never really malicious, I saw, or, or like, you know, I don't know. He was just always like a genuine kind of guy, but he was always funny. There's some kind of the interactions of, you know, him just kind of not originally being uh, American or from that area that some of the comedy would come from. But overall, I would see uh, just he he worked really well when they added him. I think it really brought a, a better dynamic to the show. It did. I mean, he's self-deprecating and kind of always wanting to be, be with a woman and couldn't. But it was just but almost a bumbling idiot without necessarily the slapstick. Just his words. The lines were written very yeah. well for him. Um, You're right. Him and, him think, and Lowell had two, two of those kind of um, those bumbling comedic sides to it. Yeah, and and when I went back and watched it again, especially after watching Monk and then seeing Tony Shalhoub pre-Monk, but it was, I don't know, you could almost, and the shows are unrelated, but it was almost you could see the development mm-hmm. into the Monk character from Wings. And again, I know that they're very different characters, but it was just like you could see the early stages of it kind of coalescing, I guess. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely. That's really all I have for my notes. I mean, I watched the hell out of the show when I was younger, uh, but let's uh, get kind of go into our final things, unless anybody else has anything else they want to bring up. No, that's good. Yeah, okay, that's, Brian? I mean, a fun sitcom centered around. I thought it was a good spinoff of Cheers. Everybody from Cheers, except for Ted Danson and the one that Kirstie, uh, that Kirstie Alley yeah. replaced. Um, yeah, and I can't remember the... I was never a big Cheers guy either. Yeah, yeah, but except for them, everybody else made an appearance on Wings at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all they're all in the same area. Well, that was Boston, yeah, Boston and this up one's there Nantucket. And, yeah, yeah. And different things. But Rebecca was there. Cliff and Norman came in for an episode. Mm-hmm. Even Frazier and um, what's-her-face? The yeah. yeah. The crazy lady. lady. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's-her-face? Yeah. <laughs> came in, and, you know, and so, yeah, it was just, it, it was nice where it was a spinoff, but it wasn't, like in your face, it was like, oh, it was just, hey, they popped up. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Whereas obviously Frasier was a spin, like, oh, it's the same. Yes. I mean, and these were all the same characters, but they were just like kind of just little side characters that popped in for an episode. That was that was fun. All right, John. Um, I really actually kind of enjoyed going back and watching it. Um, I watched about five or six episodes. I jumped around a little bit. I didn't get to the ending season, so I actually didn't see any episodes with Casey in it. But uh, what I did saw, I actually enjoyed, and, and I ended up watching about two or three in a row where they had, like, this arc that I wanted to see where it went. And, yeah, some of the stuff is dated a little bit, and, and some of the jokes are a little cheesy. But I really did enjoy the relationship. And I have to say, as weird as this sounds, it looked like a fun place to work. Like, working in a small airport with just a handful of people who you become really close with actually sounded like a really fun thing to do. And an airport seems cool, and I think it's because I have both a love and a hatred of flying. Like, learning to fly sounds like something that I would love to do, uh, except I hate to fly. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird 
it's a weird thing with me. But uh, I really actually enjoyed going back. And we'll, I don't know that I'll go back and watch the whole series from top to bottom. Um, but it might be something that I, you know, if I get a hankering for it, I might jump in and, and just pick it out an episode or two just to kind of get that nostalgic feel of watching. Uh, yeah, the show, it felt almost like a cut and paste with a lot of other kind of sitcoms mm-hmm. around the time or even earlier, um, you know, or office sitcoms, that kind of stuff. But yeah, being in that airport gave it its own little spin. The show was, you know, I don't know how else to put it, or it's like it's very non-offensive. Like mm-hmm. everything about the show was just enjoyable. Like they didn't really piss me off with anything. I liked it all. And it was just, you know, it wasn't like standout best sitcom of all time, but it absolutely was. This is a really enjoyable show through and through from all of these characters. Absolutely. The ensemble cast was what I think may, did make the show maybe a little bit more special than others is because they had a great um, connection and, and, and tie in with that. But like, yeah, I really enjoyed this and I, it was a welcome change from the movie and so I was so happy to to watch some wings, and um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm not sure, similar to John, if I will end up watching the whole show in the future. But the thing is, I can see it happening, like because mm-hmm. I did it with Golden Girls not too long ago, and I could absolutely because this can be like a background show. I think I kind of have on if yeah. I'm eh, I'm playing on the phone a little bit, or just kind of like you know every night in bed watch an episode or two for a while. And I think this is a show that's not going to rile me up, you know, if I'm like watching, you know, WandaVision or something. It's like, oh, God, what's going to happen next? It's like, no, nah, it's just wings. It's good. You know, mostly things wrap up in like those 22 minutes. And it's just uh, it's a nice, enjoyable sip of whiskey, if you will. Uh, speaking of <laughs> sip of whiskey, that flatboat was a very nice, enjoyable sip of whiskey. But I've got another bottle here <laughs> sent to me by Brian McClure, and I've got to check it out. So this one is a new Riff. New Riff Single Barrel. So this is a store pick. Uh, you must have obviously gotten it from the Liquor Barn. Yes. Yes. So this is this exactly what this is, is, a store pick from Liquor Barn, which basically just means, you know, they get uh, to pick, like, the exact barrel. And so they get, like, tasting. They taste a couple different ones. And so, you know, this the, the exact flavor profile on this will never really be seen again once these... Um, Barrels are gone, but that's with a lot of whiskey anyway. So, uh, but yeah, so this is new Riff single barrel. Uh, it's 105 proof, so 52.55. It's a little bit hotter than the last one. It is a sour mash, and each new Riff barrel is singular in personality and flavor, selected for its quality and complexity, bottled at barrel proof and without chill filtration. We preserve the character of the barrel all the way to your glass. Aged at least four years. So it's at least a four year, which is uh, also fairly young for a lot of bourbons. But I've heard really good things about this one. Now, one of the things that I'm going to try and figure out is that I've heard the very first sip, like the neck pour, is, isn't the best. But when it like sits and opens and waits in your glass or waits in the bottle for like a little while after you've tried like a little bit, get some air in there, it really opens up and, and is a very nice bottle. So, all right. I'm excited to try. Pouring now. I can see y'all are so enthralled in my sure. extra whiskey tasting. Hey. <laughs> I'm excited about it. This is, I mean, it's a cool-ass bottle, too. You look at it, it's kind of black on top, and then it kind of goes into clear that you can kind of see there down there. I've been trying to get John to go buy me uh, Smoke Wagon Uncut Unfiltered at his place, but he has not gone yet. You're going to have knowledge. to keep telling me because I keep forgetting the name. That's all right. Well, Smoke Wagon was the one that I bought when I was at your house, um, okay. and I had there for a little while, and I loved it. It was like a cherry bomb. Do you remember where you got it? Lee's Discount Liquor. Okay. Yeah. It was a cherry bomb. Like I loved the flavoring in there. There's just been a lot of hype 
for uncut unfiltered so they, that one's gotten a lot harder to find that's their basically their barrel proof uh, that they just pour in so it's going to be a high proof it's like 115 ish proof or something like that and i've heard really good things i just uh, have not tried it yet and because i liked the their main offering i was like wow i want to give that one a shot so all right here's the new riff nose <laughs> okay i get some like red apple i know i sound pretentious on this but i mean you, you do <laughs> We're just jealous that Some we apple. can't, we can't, uh, we don't have the same nose that you do. Well, well, the nosing is definitely my my worst part. You know, I'm you just, you just kind of got to be confident and be like, well, I think I smell that because like some stuff really stands out, but other stuff sometimes you just get a punch of alcohol in the nose and you're like, whoa, um, <laughs> smells like alcohol, smells like whiskey. But other times, oh, yeah. About my experience with bourbon is using the lids of the barrels to smoke on, like to smoke meat with. Oh, okay. we used to get the lids and then just chop them up and soak them and yeah, smoke on those. That's, that's that's a nice flavor. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, definitely apple to me, but very good. All right, taking a sip. Whoo! Whoa, the it definitely tastes hotter. It's only like five pr- uh, proof more, that but it tastes up. tastes way hotter. Very like <laughs> definitely got cinnamon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. More apple on the fucking tongue, like. That's good. I am kind of curious how that will, if that will um, kind of chill out a little bit in the bottle. But it is, it is a, this is a punch of flavor. I'd say more so than the flat boat. The flat boat was a pretty sweet, easy sipper. This one was like, whew, that's a lot of flavor coming at you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, do our casting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. And if you look around these days, there seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, we're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper If you drink Dr. Pepper, you're a pepper too Be a pepper, drink Dr. Pepper all right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be recasting Wings using actors of today. The good thing about this show is that there was kind of a main cast that you could easily pull from. You didn't have to pull too many extenuating characters. Uh, so we are going to be doing Joe, Brian, Helen, Roy, Faye, Antonio, Lowell, and Casey. Uh, now, we didn't really say this, but Casey, I believe, was also Helen's older sister. That is correct. Yes. In the uh, in the show. So uh, I think what we'll do is uh, we'll start with Brian and then Adam will go next and then I oh. will bring up the rear and we'll okay. just we'll keep that. I know sometimes I like to jump around, but just to make it simple, yeah, uh, yeah. we'll just keep that going and we'll go in the reverse order of the characters I mentioned. So we're gonna start with Brian and his pick for Casey. And this this one was kind of my request because where you had a crush or whatever on Helen. Mine was with Casey. That's why I think she felt like she was in the show much more than she was. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Um, she, she was in your mind much more. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I will go ahead and say that Mike, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I I pulled movie actors in for this, so it, well, it, it's going to be a budget. <laughs> nowadays, there's, there's, there's uh, you know... There's there's no uh, wall between TV acting and movie acting anymore, and in, right. in some cases, TV acting is has is kind of been seen as more 
creatively satisfying. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, that's getting, gonna... I think we're getting better stories in TV than we are in yes. movies, personally. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but for Casey, I, I I went with Anna Kendrick. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, your budget I, is I, way I, bigger than mine, my man. I, I went <laughs> oh, to no. a, yeah, my my budget's out of control. So <laughs> I stuck to sitcom kind of people. Yeah, I mean, she can be kind of cute and loud, and that's what Casey is. Right, yeah. I mean, she can kind of play a doofus, but yet smart in just the look, and yeah. That definitely fits. Yeah, I mean, I'm on for it. I'd, I'd love me some Anna Kendrick. Who knows? Maybe she was a Wings fan. Maybe this is yeah. something she would do. We never know. And I mentioned, I think I mentioned this before on the podcast, but I walked by her at the uh, LAX airport one time, and she was way shorter than I even thought. Like, she is, <laughs> she is a very She's short tiny. person. Yeah. That's all right. Adorable. All right. Uh, and good call. All right. Uh, for me... Uh, I stuck with sitcom actors because I live in reality. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, but no, no. I wanted I wanted to kind of relive the sitcom vibe of Wings, and so that's where I kind of wanted to pull some of my people. Um, this actress is plays a character actually who's much more similar to Alex in the show than to Casey. In, much more similar to Alex in the show that she's in um, than is Casey, but. I've actually, you hear her talk, I've seen her on some commercials, and she can absolutely play like kind of like that cute, ditzy kind of girl that, you know, you don't see her on the show. She's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I think she's fantastic, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to be ending uh, at the end of this year, which really makes me sad, because that's one, probably one of my favorite sitcoms on right now. Uh, and I went with Stephanie Beatriz. She's awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, she's, she's a real, she plays a real badass good, but I'm certain she could play uh, Casey pretty damn well, too. I don't remember Casey being all that ditzy. Was she? She had moments where she was of just, she was the character, like her husband had left her and then she just didn't know what to do. She was kind of a money, like almost like a gold digger type thing, but she just okay. had like no job, no career. She just, everything was always handed to her because of her looks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I mean, I've never seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I'm sure I mean, she's a good pick. The character for Brooklyn does not fit anywhere with this. Um, I- I'm just going on with, I really want to see more of her in general. Okay, I uh, ended up choosing uh, an actress I've actually cast before, and actually someone I've cast recently. I just cannot remember what I cast her for. And uh, she was the last person I casted because of her, because she is the uh, older sister of Helen. That's why I picked this particular actress. And I went with America Ferrera. Okay. Okay. I was both kind of going uh, Hispanic route with our Casey and Helen choices mm-hmm. uh i like america ferrera absolutely yeah i actually just what well, just just last night uh we watched the finale of superstore and it just made me be like god damn it i wish that show was kept going it's such a we, good show we actually we stopped about mid season five. Oh, really we You're haven't gotten back now? to we haven't gone back it's it kind of it kind of got predictable and annoying yeah so fair I, enough i, I just kind of stopped okay because at one point you were liking it and then, yeah and then, i did like seasons like two three like one, two, and three, I thought were great. Okay, and then it kind of died down a little bit after that. Okay, all right, Lowell, this is going to be an interesting one. And this was probably one of two of the hardest casting. It may have been the hardest casting. Um, I I agree. For me, it was probably also the hardest casting. Hmm. And so okay. I, I I went with Ben Mendelsohn. Okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I needed something different than Thomas Hayden Church. I think okay. that you got um, it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Know, I just it it seemed to fit. Man, your your budget on this movie or this TV show is incredible. No, you know, I am. Yeah, no, like I said, I, I'm a movie guy, not so much a TV person anymore. So <laughs> trying to think of like current TV, like I have nobody. Right. I I 
I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, I do. I mean, I, I'm confused. I'm confused. I mean, ben Mendelsohn would kill it. He'd kill anything. He's but, a great actor. Yeah. Interesting. It is. Yeah, interesting is the best way to go. All right, Adam. I'm not your... a casting director. That's all right. It's all right. Leave it to the professionals. Yes, yeah, obviously exactly. not us. Uh, okay. But you would watch it if Ben Mendelsohn was in it, though. If you saw him popping oh, up, you'd be like, I'm watching that. Well, I'd be, exa- I'd be like, what the hell is he going to do with that character? How is he going to play it? And then he would do however he did it. It would be right because he's fucking Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> well, see? Yeah, true. All right. I really kind of dove into like the doofusy kind of character. There were some things with Lowell where he was like surprisingly good at some stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was always kind of like fun when they had like some of those episodes where he would just kind of shock people with something that he was like particularly good at. And this one, I think, is going to be a definite surprise for y'all. He's not much of an actor. He hasn't done too much acting, but he played kind of like a doofus character in the Big Fat Greek Wedding movies. And I think maybe one of his um, hidden talents could be singing. And Lowell could sing in like The Hanger or something. I went with Joey Fatone. I think he can play kind of like that goofball. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was. Like I immediately got Joey Fatone in my head and I was like, you know what? I think he would be really good. I can never remember which one of the boy bands he was from because I get those two like completely mixed uh, up in my head. And he's from NSYNC. Okay. I like Joey Fatone. I've actually listened to some interviews with him. Like as a as a guy, as an individual. He's a funny I actually dude. think he's a really interesting person. Uh-huh. Like he's the kind of guy I would like love to like like take out for a beer and like just have a conversation over dinner or something like that because he's got to have some amazing stories and stuff like that. I've yep. never seen his acting, so I'm gonna have to go on faith. Yeah, have you not? Now. You haven't seen either of the Big Fat Greek Wedding movies? No. Okay. Well, the first one was actually pretty damn good. I didn't see the second one that came out like 14 years later, um, <laughs> but I thought he he played kind of yeah like a doofusy cousin of the main okay. character, and so I, I that's kind of what. What got to me? Also, also, I've been, I've watched a, quite a bit of Mass Singer, and he was on the Mass Singer, and I thought he actually what he did with that his character on the Mass Singer was actually really awesome. So just I just wanted to give uh, Joey Fat One, aka Joey <laughs> Joey Fatone, uh, some love. Okay, I'm here for it. I'd, okay. I'd like to see him. Um, I kind of focused on another aspect of Lowell, which was he was kind of like he was like kind of hunky. A little bit. He's a good-looking dude. Good-looking dude. So I kind of focused that way. I actually went with kind of an unknown actor. Um, He's a little bit younger, but, like, my focus for Lowell is he focus on the doofus and the good looks and kind of go that way. And then whatever else would be a surprise. Um, And so I actually went with this guy mostly based on his look. Uh, He's a little bit uh, younger. He's in his 20s somewhere. I don't know. He's been doing a lot of work since about 2012. None of which I've seen. I just liked the look of him. Uh, and his name is J.J. Warren. Yeah. He looks like he belongs on a CW show. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't seen or pretty much heard of anything that he's been in. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you wanted Hunk, so. you got a, you got a kind of like a yeah. teen Hunk kind of guy. He's basically the only unknown out of all okay. of the ones I picked. But okay. uh, I, I kind of wanted to go that route. All right, Antonio. Went with with like a super uh, awesome actor, a completely unknown actor, and a fucking uh, NSYNC guy. (laughs) We were were all over the place with Lowell. Lowell's a hard one. I mean, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, for Antonio, um, I went with, um, I'm, I'm maybe butcher his name, but Omid Abtai. He's an American Gods. Um, he actually plays the cab driver in that as well, but yeah, um, he's with the Jin in American Gods, and I've seen him in other stuff, in some kind of comedic stuff. I feel he looks familiar to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through his credits to be like, where have I seen you? Because I know I've seen you. Yeah, and stuff. I know I've seen him. He was in the Hunger Games. I don't think that's where I would have seen him. Oh, he was Doctor Pershing in The Mandalorian. Yes, that's exactly that's where exactly I've seen him. That's exactly where I recognize him from. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah. Yeah, because I was looking at it more like just from his role in American Gods and kind of seeing how he does there. And like, okay, I could. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've not seen any of that show at all. Yeah. So we're kind of okay. going on faith on that one, I think. Yeah. Does he play a cab driver? <laughs> he actually does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not much of a stretch. All right. There. <laughs> okay. All right, Adam. Uh, all right. Um, uh, I think someone who I well in the show that I've seen this guy on. Most he um, he's not super self self deprecating, but I think on some of his comedy, I've absolutely seen that he is a really good podcaster as well. What I remember him best from is the show The League, and he is I think he's absolutely hilarious. He's got he's got great comedy chops that I think he would be fantastic as an Antonio. I went with Paul Shear, very funny dude. I think he could be a perfect like side comedic character. Why do I know that Paul Shear? Oh, I recognize him from his comedy. I used to watch him on Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah, okay. his, uh, he he's does funny the, dude. Um, How Did This Get Made podcast, which is very, very popular. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I've seen him, for, God, forever. Yeah, he's TV. done a lot of different stuff. So, I, yeah, I, he could totally work. I think he's cool. a funny guy. I, I switched my Antonio around a little bit. In fact, okay. I did that a lot with this cast. You'll find out eventually. The one thing that I always kind of didn't, like so much is that Antonio and Lowell both kind of were doofusy characters. Antonio, which is he always seemed a little clueless about things, and I know mm. that was supposed to be, I think, because he was uh, an immigrant per se. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can still kind of keep that. I didn't necessarily want to keep the um, the kind of clueless part, so I went. I f- I kind of switched it around as far as maybe the type of character he would be. I went with Danny Trejo. Whoa. <laughs> Very different. Um, I think actually seeing a, someone like Danny Trejo just being a, a cab driver is mm-hmm. hilarious. Speaking of spoiler, or speaking of Mass Singer, spoiler alert, he was the uh, he was unmasked in the last episode. Um, I don't think y'all are. Big, <laughs> no. And, no. And honestly, he's a terrible singer. He's <laughs> god-awful. <laughs> That's, no, nobody looks at Danny Trejo and is like, Amazing pipes. I mean, <laughs> no, amazing guns, maybe, but not yeah, amazing but, pipes. Yeah, I never, I never like, man, he's going to sing somewhere. Yeah, no, but the dude can like throw in some comedy chops. Like yeah. the guy is, and he doesn't take himself too seriously at all. Right. And so I like that. It's totally different. Yeah, I know you're going a different take. Even you know, he wouldn't be exactly the same. Yeah, like Danny Trejo is awesome, and I like kind of putting him into some more comedy things because yeah, he's he is very cool like that. He seems like a. Like he's like he's down to earth, but he's seen some shit. Like yeah. he's absolutely one that I want to share a bottle of my new riff whiskey with. Yeah. Um. And and just kind of talk. Did you ever go Very, down to his taco shop before you left LA? No, Trejo's Tacos. No, like I think they had just barely opened. Well, they were maybe there for like a year before I left, but no, I, I never tried his taco. Okay. I was just trying to think. There was a sitcom that he was in a few years back that I'm trying to remember. That was I remember watching it and laughing, but I cannot remember what it was. Like hmm. it was. I feel like it was him and his family or something. 
Yeah, I can Does that sound familiar? Know. I'm looking through his credits. He had something called Big City Grin. No, it's a TV short. Uh, I mean, he's he's in everything. Holy shit. I'm just looking through his 2020 credits. Yeah. And he's he, like, I'm still scrolling. That guy's in everything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have to go back a few years to even remember what it was. But it was yes. it Danny's Diary. No. No. That's right. only like a three episode thing. Okay. It'll be something I'll have to probably look up later or something. Because I don't remember. Yeah. The problem is I don't remember what year it was. Everything's just a blur. But and he works, man. This yeah. guy works. Yeah, yeah. He still, and he's in his seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, born in forty-four. Wow. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and move on uh, to Faye, Brian. Okay, Faye was to me. I went with Megan Follows, um, notably from The Rain. And I, Adam, I did send you a clip of that's just oh, yeah. her, just her, just the, her sarcastic, her wittiness, um, her. Just the way she kind of commands and her charisma. Um, I was curious why you sent that. I was like, "Who is this person?" Why? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's why that, I sent it. Just because, yeah, and um. So yeah, she's not not near. Well, she's closing in on sixty. No, no, she's closing in on fifty. Because yeah, she's my, closing in on fifty. My gut instinct, honestly, when I looked at Faye, was like, "Oh, well, it needs to be Betty White." But then I was like, well, "I need yeah. some." Yeah, I was like, well, "I need somebody different than that." Yeah. Oh, well, and 50, Betty. 52. Betty's like what mid nineties at this point. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't think she's acting anymore. Actually, yeah, it's terribly doing math in my head. I was just having issues, but then I remember John's forty. Okay, so minus, uh, or your, your yeah. So so add. She's she was born in sixty eight. So yeah, she's fifty two, fifty three right now. Okay, so that's definitely a younger take on Faye. Younger, but you can always age people up pretty well. I mean, in yeah, and Faye is very quick witted. So if you sent me something where she does a lot of like good clapbacks, that kind of stuff, then that would make sense. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam, who did you go with? So, yeah, someone who can have a sharp tongue when needed, but not terribly. I, I see Faye also as also being very, I don't know, she's, she has some doofus moments. From some of the episodes I saw, she's, she's, she's just, she's too sweet and too nice sometimes. <laughs> but she also does have like a, a good, you know, good wit to her at times. I wanted to pull back an actress who I haven't seen in a long time, but I think I get older, awesome Faye vibes, I think, from her. She's still doing work. And she's from a great sitcom from the uh, late 80s, to early 2000s, or sorry, late 80s, early 90s. I went with uh, the actress who plays Vivian Banks, the second one of Fresh Prince and Bel-Air. I went with Daphne Reed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm totally down with that. She was she was sweet, um, but she would also, every now and then, she had to put Uncle Phil in his place. And yeah. so I, I you kind of, I kind of get those vibes. I'm totally cool with that. Cool. I went with uh, an actress who... I've seen uh, bits here and there. She's actually a British comedian, uh, comedic actress, I should say. Very, she's very famous over in in uh, in the UK. Um, but I've I've seen a few things, and I've seen uh, actually interviews with her. She's actually a very funny person in per uh, in person. Um, you, you know, it's funny. Like, and I, we've run into this problem before. A lot of actresses who are older still look younger. Yeah. Like and especially now in days where you know people don't really um, or people like dye their hair and stuff like that, so that that doesn't help. Um, so she doesn't. I don't think she she's either not graying or she just dyes her hair, which is fine either one. Um, but I think just I think the fact that she's witty is why I picked her for Faye, and her name is Dawn French. Her interviews on the Graham Norton show are okay hilarious. Okay, she yeah literally I think the only thing I've seen her is she plays the fat lady in the painting in Harry Potter. And the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. I will, very similarly to some of the other ones we've said, I'm just going to, I'll give it to you, John. Okay. I think I'd have her keep her British accent, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like that. Just to kind of change that up a little bit. Yep. All right. Roy. 
Roy Biggins. I'm interested to see where this went. Yeah, this, this one, this one, man, trying to like, I struggled with this one. I don't know if it was necessarily hard, but I struggled. And finally, similar role, but I, I, I changed the gender. I put Melissa McCarthy in this role. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I think I she could easily play the the crass, crude, but to take it from a female perspective, I think would would yeah, just change that up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I no problem with that. I'm all for that. And yeah. I think uh, I think Melissa McCarthy with your budget makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, Adam. Uh, me and Brian were on the exact same wavelength here. I also shifted Roy Biggins to a female character. Um, you know, it's it's nice to see women can own airlines too. It's not just uh, you know the guys, right? You know, even though John, you stopped watching the show, I feel this character had some similarities, especially in those early seasons where she was almost antagonist at time, but she was also almost. Oh, al- I know where you're going. I totally agree. Almost ca- kind of part of the group. Uh, later on, she just became more of the group and like best friends with Amy, basically. But I went with Lauren Ash, who plays Dina in Superstore. Yeah. I could totally see that. Okay, cool. I'm all I mean, she, for that. she's also, she can be very, like, I don't know, intimidating and, like, you know, very, um, <laughs> I don't know. She's just, she was good in that role, and I literally, I was like, well, that role kind of really fits with Roy to me, so. Yeah. Cool. I'm totally cool with that. I kind of thought of this guy uh, immediately. He's, uh, I mean, you guys are going to know who he is instantly, and he's got a show on right now that I've not seen, but uh, he was a comedian, and I used to watch his stand-up uh, all the time on Comedy Central specials. I went with Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Absolutely think that's a good call, too. Yeah, he could absolutely have that really big energy where he's a little loud, a little obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if um, if Bernie Mac wasn't dead, I think he would have been a really good call, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would have been yeah. a great call, too. But but Cedric the Entertainer is a fantastic choice. Love it. Right, cool. or Patrice. Who's that? Oh, I know. Oh, Patrice O'Neill. O'Neill. Yes. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good one, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unfortunately, he's dead, too. Yep. Uh, all right, Helen. Let's see where. Let's see what you guys did with my teenage crush. Well, I, I, I hope I did you some justice here, because again, now that my budget is out of control um, <laughs> for the three mains. Um, for Helen, I went with Dakota Fanning. You know, it's so hard for me to think of her as not a child. I know. I mean, she's she's like in her late twenties now. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for she, it. I mean. Looking at her pictures now, she I get very similar vibes. I like look wise, she kind of has. And has I think that's what stuff. I was going for because it was again, it was. I I feel that um, Chris Barnard just. I mean, I feel like a lot of that cast, especially like Chris Barnard, was just out of the blue, and I was like trying to cast an unknown. But I like the look of Dakota Fanning for it. I think her look mm-hmm. alone. I'm o- I'm okay with it. I'm okay yeah. with it. I'll say that. Yeah, for your crush, John. Sure. It's hard for me to say crushing on Dakota Fanning without, exactly. without thinking of like the eight-year-old girl in War of the Worlds. Yeah, exactly. But All right, Adam. What did you get? I went back to my... I've been really going through different sitcoms and picking people like that. This actress is actually also one of my crushes on a show that I had already mentioned, uh, which nobody seems to watch, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, but she is fantastic. And she... So her, the character's sister, Casey, played by Stephanie Beatriz. I want someone who else I think has a really good rapport with Stephanie Beatriz. She's also on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and she plays um, kind of the main love interest in that show. I went with Melissa Fumero. So she plays Amy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and she is awesome. 
I think she's actually been with uh, Stephanie Beatriz on a couple different shows. Um, so this would be the first one, the, the, the third the thirst or, or one? more. Uh-huh. The first one. I'm, I'm thirsting for Amy, for uh, <laughs> Melissa Fumera, I can tell you that. But uh, I think she she plays. She's cute as hell. I'll give you that. I she mean, is very. I, I don't know anything she's been in, but sure. Yeah, she's very cute. Um, but she's also kind of like, I don't know. I, she can play Girl Next Door, I think, really well. Okay. So yeah. She's going to be in the new MODOK series. Interesting. Oh, she's okay. So she's joining right? the MCU. Well, not that it's the cartoon. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, cool. I'm yeah, I'm fine with it. Okay. Um, so it's interesting that I made a big deal uh, about uh, Helen kind of being a crush, because I flipped the script on my Helen and my Helen, and believe me, trying to find a guy's version name of Helen is almost impossible. <laughs> I guess my Helen is going to be an Eli. Uh, I went uh, with an actor who uh, I recently have kind of taken notice of um, because of his role as Joaquin Torres in The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and his name is Danny Ramirez. Okay. He's also going to be in the new uh, Top Gun sequel. Ah, yeah. So that's a big... All right. Um, I haven't seen episode two yet, but I know that's out. Interesting. Yeah. Curious. I mean, I I liked him in episode one. And yeah, I don't know what helped, but yeah, if he's going to be in Top Gun as well, good looking guy. Are you going to keep the relationship angle with uh, Joe? Yes. Okay, cool. And I almost went a, a similar route of, of flipping sexes there for the main, but the problem was I couldn't come up with somebody I'd like to fill the role of Helen then. That's where I struggled. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so what I want to do for the brothers is I actually want us to do both at the same time. Okay. So I want you to, you're going to go ahead and do both Joe and Brian. Okay. So for, for Brian, I went with Sam Claflin. Um, he was in Hunger Games. He was, oh, uh, yeah. um, uh, Finnick. Yeah. In Enola Holmes as well. He's a good looking guy. And then for Joe, I went with Richard Madden. Even better looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it would be interesting to see Joe, uh, see Richard Madden in a sitcom. Yeah. Interesting. He seems like the kind of guy who could pull it off. What was that Both other guy's British. name? I couldn't find him. Sam Sorry. Claflin. C-L-A-F-L-I-N. I mean, he's a good-looking dude. So is it going to be set in England for this? Cause, <laughs> well, because one's Scottish and one's from England, or are they going to be doing Nantucket voices? Well, you know, it is it is New England, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, they're good-looking dudes. Um, I don't really know Sam Claflin all that well. Richard Madden loved him and game of thrones i don't really know what his sort of comedic stuff is but i'm not a i'm not against it right but joe really isn't you know he's the straight lace guy so right that's fair yeah yeah and and he was more straight laced in game of thrones than like you know a lot of the other kind of characters right okay i mean i'm definitely here for the richard madden part the other guy it's just gonna have to be you know proof of seeing it Mm -hmm. so all right, Adam. My uh, Brian Hackett. I went with uh, an actor who uh, very kind of can do off the wall, kind of silly, quick comedy kind of chops or like kind of like the way that exactly that um, Stephen Weber did. Um, could probably be a ladies man. Uh, definitely kind of be. Yeah, can, he's very he's probably one of the funniest parts of the sitcom that he was on, which was New Girl. Um, and that is uh, the guy who played Schmidt, Max Greenfield. He's a funny, funny sitcom guy and so i'd like to see him in some other stuff and then for joe the more straight laced person i went with back to a sitcom that i've already used before john you stopped watching it but i like it and i think he can absolutely play straight laced a little wet blanket in superstore but overall a good leading man i think and he's got that caliber i'm with ben feldman who plays jonah in superstore I, that i could totally see 
Um, interestingly okay. enough, looking at uh, at Max Greenfield, he is currently playing the opposite lead of Cedric the Entertainer in the Neighborhood. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that show. That's right. So yeah, interesting. That is kind of funny. So he's got uh, some more some more uh, you know sitcommy credits there, and could work with uh, if we mixed and matched some of our casting. Yeah. And which one did you say Ben Feldman was? Did you pick him for Brian or Joe? I picked uh, Ben for Joe because he's kind of more of the wet blanket. Okay. At least, and so Max yeah. uh, slash Schmidt from uh, New Girls kind of like the more eh, funny, ridiculous kind of guy. Yeah. All right. So the reason I wanted to do these as a pair is because I specifically went looking for siblings. Ah. Siblings who acted. Um, and I came upon this pair, and they are a little young, but I have no problems leading them off and the reason i thought they were just okay for helen is because i went with dakota and l fanning for <laughs> ah. joe and brian <laughs> so they would become joey and brianna oh okay again interesting very interesting that y'all went with uh dakota fanning in two different totally different roles <laughs> yeah we're getting her cast and also, i've never really seen her doing sitcom stuff but both of y'all are like yep She's from my sitcom. Well, uh, her and her sister have been doing some stuff together lately. In fact, they're getting Golden Globe buzz about something that they did together, uh, oh. which I think is like a period piece. But I've seen Dakota Fanning do a wide range of stuff. And even Elle True. Fanning has been getting a lot of, uh, of buzz from other actors that I've heard over the last few years. So seeing them in a sitcom role is not something I, I think would be out of the realm of possibility. Um, again, it's going to be have to be something we see, but I like yeah. the idea of them being actual siblings, and I liked the idea of reversing the gender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice, to, exactly. And you know what? They are young, but you could maybe spin it that they inherited it from right. their parents, and maybe like you know, the been, Joe or Josephina was like you know wanted to follow in dad's footsteps, where the Brian or whatever was kind of like the goof who didn't care. Right. All and, that would fit really well. And I mean, you know. I, you can they could maybe they've been flying all their life you know their parents showed them how they got their licenses when they were like 18 or something like that which is entirely within the realm of possibility so yeah it would be interesting just to to see that little switch i think it is interesting. i agree all I, right I, they're both very talented actresses yeah and I so think some also, interesting picks it is mm-hmm. and i will say for wings i meant to bring this up earlier i think that plane is still in service <laughs> wow. wow i thought i remember reading that somewhere there's a company maybe out of the bahamas or something but yeah that it's actually still in service today good for it (laughs) yeah that's very cool all right uh before we head out uh brian is there any you want to have any last words before we leave no i I, sorry that i put you through uh i guess what was the torture (laughs) of midnight madness um that i dearly love but i I get it sorry john that i i I didn't supply you know i I bribed adam with the bourbon no Um, it's quite all right i'm fine (laughs) But at least hopefully we made up for it with wings. (laughs) We did. All right. And that was our recasting of a Wings TV show. Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and Adam go over one of their favorites from the late 90s. And that's Our Lady Pieces, Spiritual Machines. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Hi, my name is Scott, and I host a nostalgia cast called People Don't Forget. Join me each episode for a deep dive into all things nostalgia. Do you remember your favorite songs from the year 2000 or the TV shows you watched in 2003? If you don't, that's okay. Listen to People Don't Forget and take a particular journey with me down memory lane.